Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Random Tale Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Ovid. And this episode of the podcast is ready for adventure in honor of the battle cry of the chubby, adorable little Captain Toad in his new game, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which we have full impressions of later in the show. So yeah, the podcast itself isn't really going on an adventure. No, actually, we're, we're a verbal adventure, we're a verbal, a two-hour verbal journey. Yeah. Yes, but it's not. It's not going to be an adventure. We're <laughs> Will seeing. we face peril? Maybe. Will we know. face shy guys? Tune in and find out. Well, they already did tune in. So tune in longer. To stay tuned in. Don't touch that dial. There we go. Because <laughs> everyone has dials on their computers and iPhones. Well, I mean, maybe if they have the volume. Connected to a speaker that uses a dial? I guess, but even then, I feel like... Well, they could be listening in their car. But then there would just be... Well. Welcome to Random Tale Podcast, where we discuss <laughs> how you listen to the Random Tale Podcast for two hours. No, uh, we actually have a lot of stuff to really talk about. There was a kind of big amount of news, uh, more bigger than I thought it would be these past two weeks, because uh, the Game Awards happened, and we did not cover them whatsoever going into it, because we figured it'd be nothing. And yet, here we are with Nintendo actually having a big presence and actually doing big things. We're going to kick off the show with that. We also have Amiibo drama to discuss, all the shortages. We have Nintendo sales numbers to discuss, some other announcements, and of course, those Captain Toad impressions. So use timestamps on the site if you want to hear something in particular. And don't tune out until the very end, because our biggest contest ever, the $35 uh, eShop credit giveaway, we're announcing the winner at the tail end of the episode. So stick around for that. How many people entered? Uh, Over 70, I think. Yikes. Yeah. So stick around for that. We have that many comments every episode. I know. Hint, hint, guys. Hint, hint. We'd love to have that many comments, but why would they be motivated to do it? Because you love us. That's why. Because they love us, naturally. But uh, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, But we should probably kick off with, like I said, the big one of the last two weeks. The unexpected big one. The Game Awards. Um, Kind of unexpectedly, Nintendo sort of commandeered the show. Like, they had a huge part in the event, which is totally the opposite of what they did at, like, the Video Game Awards or VGX last year, where... Well, VGX was just Cranky Kong, I think. That was, like, the only thing they announced. It didn't help that it was also spoiled. Like, the yeah, the box art leaked in advance. So Reggie got up there and was talking to Jeff Key and was like, yeah, and our big announcement is Cranky Kong. And everyone on the internet just did, like, a collective, like, forehead slap or, or facepalm, I mean. And uh, now it's the end of that. I'm sure it was, like, someone's... Oh, there's one that. guy in a you know guy. those reaction videos. There's one guy <laughs> when Cranky Kong happened who, like, jumped out of his chair and was like, oh, my God. And it's probably somewhere on YouTube. Yeah. But this year, I feel like there are a couple moments where you could jump out of your chair and it'd actually be legitimate. And lucky, lucky for Nintendo, they picked a good show to do this at because um, ratings were good for this thing. Like uh, the Game Awards brought in 1.93 million people, which is up 75% over VGX last year, which was also streaming only. And I mean, it's it's worth knowing that the average person only watched 28 minutes of the show. We watched all three plus hours because that's what we do. But um, average person watched 28 minutes. But the thing is, because we found Nintendo paced themselves they were in the beginning the middle and the end so pretty much whenever you tuned in there's something nintendo either they won an award or they announced something like they were this is a nintendo direct in disguise that's what i think i mean the first five minutes were literally reggie doing a nintendo direct so so that worked out but um and it, it did work for them too i should say because With koji kondo thrown in yeah some koji kondo scattered some sprinklings of koji kondo throughout but uh it worked for them i mean they they won social media about this zelda was tweet about 39,000 times on Friday, more than the entirety of PlayStation Experience's tweets that day, which came in at 34,000. Wow. So Nintendo with one game trumped the whole weekend event, basically. Shows the power of Zelda. But uh, before we discuss like the actual, what they announced, which probably mentioned, for those keeping track, Nintendo did win some big awards. Uh, Developer of the Year, Best Buying Game for Smash Bros. on Wii U, 
best sports slash racing game for Mario Kart 8, which I'm sure some like diehard Madden fans are like, that's not a sport. It's an like, arcade game, but it's still one. And best family game for Mario Kart 8. So Yakub Games also won best indie game for uh, Shovel Knight. Of course. It's a good game. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why that sounded... You were super... Fun. I remember when we were watching it, and you're like, of course Shovel Knight would win. Everyone's just like, loving Shovel Knight. It's like, it, it is a good game, though. Yeah, but for some reason, you guys didn't think it was going to win. Like, oh, because like, I have no you, faith you, in Nintendo games winning anything. Like you, and, you and our other friend that were watching it, they're like, oh, it's going to be... I forgot what name they were named. They're like, no, it's going to be Shovel Knight. We thought it'd be and the artsiest game there, because they... Because like, this whole award show, they were really trying to go with, like, it's like a prestigious thing. So they're like, oh, they're going to pick the artsy indie they game. They kind of had that going, they did. sort of. A lot of the reveals from other companies were super artsy games like before the caveman game that looks super artsy nothing wrong with artsy well, I mean I, I guess I'm mainly referring to the that comedy duo oh those are real comedians I later have found out Ron Fuent, Fuent, whatever, Fuentes whatever his name I'm is I'm sure they're very successful Par- I, well, that was the only we- that was the only part of the whole award show that felt very like VGA VGX I mean, and not game I'm awards. sure they're I'm sure they're fine wherever else they they perform, material but, they're used to. but I guess um, I don't know did their jokes were just very dated and cringy? Yeah, and they just kept going on and on. Like, oh. Well, that's a problem with the show as a whole. Is that like I mean, the it just dragged a little. What's his name? David Schaefer. Uh, the Tim Schaefer. Tim Schaefer. Yeah. And like, I mean, he wasn't of double fine. Yeah, I mean, he's not comedic, but I mean, he was kind of funny. Yeah. But although his timing is really weird, because like, so um, uh, Kiefer Sutherland came on stage because he's Snake now so he came on stage to talk about how honored he is to work on that role and to talk about like how oh I'm going to show off Mel Gear online with Kojima for, for or Ko- Kojima Kojima yeah for the first time etc not so, Kojima not Kojima see yeah, for a second like or is it Kojima but uh, so he came out and did this whole thing and he sounded genuine he sounded like he was yes he's a celebrity but he's really into it but then Tim Schafer came out a minute later and was like man you know what's great about this award show there's no celebrities here that don't care about games there's no celebrities it's great and I'm like Super Sarlin was just here like 10 seconds well, earlier. Maybe it reinforces what he just said. Yeah. There are no celebrities that don't care. Yeah, yeah. Even the Imagine Dragon guys see, are like big time gamers. I know you're not a fan of Imagine Dragons, but like they're legitimately. Or that other performance that was on where he literally just pressed play on a bunch of like old NES music. Oh, that was just their. That, he, well, he was doing. Oh, 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 the laser guy. Yeah. The laser guy. The remix was he was playing lasers, yeah. Except yeah. he wasn't. I mean, I don't know. It's... We live in a world where like everyone and their. We'll say their third cousin that creates a remix of yeah. certain like Nintendo songs, and you hear so many that barely change anything to the original. Yeah, that, I don't know. It, it it just doesn't become impressive anymore. I feel like hit their if gimmick anything, was the visuals that went with it, but even then, like I saw Coldplay do that exactly. Yeah, thing they were twenty times better. Yeah. Like yeah, but the rest of the performances I thought were actually pretty cool. I mean, the show opened with Koji Kondo doing Mar- the Mario theme on piano solo, which was kind of cool. And it kind of classed it up because like. Jeff Keighley, who, as as people may know, he's my Twitter BFF. We had two interactions in just as many years, so clearly we're like we're like this. You can't see if I'm doing the finger cross thing. We're like that, but no, uh, no. But seriously, he wanted to like do a classy event, like one that's for gamers by gamers. It's not like a weird like broed out thing like the VGAs. And he delivered. I mean, opening with Koji Kondo, just him and a piano and cool Mario visuals. Was, I thought that was really cool. I actually, I know you don't like Magic Dragons. But I actually thought that closing thing was super cool where they did the uh, acoustic medley of Zelda music and then transitioned into like a special version of their one of their singles. And Koji Kondo accompanied them on piano throughout. I thought that was very cool. And at the end, I don't know if you noticed, but um, when Magic Dragons finished playing, they immediately, their lead singer immediately turned to Koji Kondo and like did like a bow. like, thank you so much for this. Like they knew who they were playing with. That actually meant something to them. They weren't just like hired on. Like they actually cared. So I thought that was neat. Yes. But, but I mean, I like Imagine Dragons too, so that's part of it. Imagine that. Haha. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but uh, but I thought they were. Yeah, I mean, it did have its issues. It dragged on a little too long. That's for sure. It uh, they need to work on pacing. There are all sorts of technical problems with the sound. But for like a first stab at it, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, yeah, the I mean, stage it, 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 cool. could, it could definitely only get better from here. Yeah, yeah. Like the stage was really cool. The award was really nice. It's made by Weta, uh, Weta down in New Zealand. They do all the CG for Lord of the Rings and among other games. Um, trying to think what else there. I mean, they didn't have an overbearing number of celebrities. It didn't have like broy, like douchey humor. It wasn't like for frat guys. It's like for actual gamers. I they did a lot right. So hopefully it becomes an annual event. I mean, it kind of it kind of felt like an E three, like half birth, like if E three is your birthday, like this is like your half birthday. Like you get kind of a lot, you get kind of recognition, but it's not like the same scale. But it's still on stuff. Like I, I, I'd be down to see it again. If they shorten it, clean it up, like clean up the pacing, um, maybe uh, not have technical issues, yeah. which was a little out of their control, I'm sure. But also the first time I noticed um, how much. Um backgrounds load in real time in um no man's sky yeah the pop-up was crazy yeah i didn't i'm like was it always like this but no, well that's the first time i think they showed actual game well it's always supposedly actual gameplay but that's the first time they've gone between planets yeah. and it was when he was, i feel like it was when he was speeding up to take off the, to go off the planet that that happened yeah i mean like, i know some modern games still kind of have that but for the most part you don't really see that it just felt very um n64 yeah like 2001 ish <laughs> yeah like Dreamcast N64, GameCube, early GameCube. Yeah. But it still looks great. And ignoring the pop of it, I love the art style of that game. Yeah, I, I mean, it is an indie game. I mean, obviously. Well, not not so much. Yeah. The amount of money Sony's pumping into the marketing for that oh. thing. I mean, not only that performance they had at the Game Awards for No Man's Sky was nuts. Like, where they synced up an entire thing of footage across all the screens to a band that this band's a, that band 50, 65 years of stack or whatever is a real band. That they brought on just to do the music. I feel like it was if this was a real indie game at this point, they would not have a budget to bring those guys on. That's true. But but yeah, it uh, it was a, it was a pretty good show overall. It's interesting because Keeley won't confirm they're doing it again next year. He's like, I'd love to, but I have to talk to the advisory board. Like he's talking to Polygon about it, and he's like, um, I have to talk to the advisory board, and like we're up to like evaluate it because apparently the thing lost money. They did not sell out. They sold out three thousand out four thousand tickets at forty five bucks a pop. Um, this year they knew it was going to be a loss. It was kind of like a brand building thing. Like, look, we have an established thing that people like and you can bring your games to it. So hopefully next year they clean it up. And I guess another nice thing, Nintendo did fine, but other companies, their teasers were like 15 seconds of nothing. Oh, man. Like, like the, it, it, the space it, it, one from the Gone Home guys. Yeah. It's like, it just was nothing. Was that, was that the one where, um, like the woman just kind of like walks up to this? Thing that looks kind of like Rapture, look like a yeah. thing, and then it just I don't know if that had gone home or something else, but yeah. And then there was another one where like it had two, two guys in a in a car and from, tra- from in, the, in yeah. a train car, and they're just doing nothing. From the two brothers creators, I don't yeah. know, like I don't know those those kind of teasers. Um, they're just they're yeah, annoying. I feel like I feel like what happened was this award show probably came together very late in the game, so to speak. So I'm guessing that what happened is they basically reached out to these companies and said, "Hey, uh, we have an award show in two months. Can you give us a teaser?" And they're like. Um, here's 20 seconds. We didn't yeah. plan for this. Nintendo somehow did plan for this. They like, might have gotten in right I feel side. like those kind of teasers only work for, um, sequels or established properties that... Or revivals. Of yeah, for revivals. Because it's like, like, oh, so this is, like, this is going to be made, but you're like, I don't know anything about this. this I mean, honestly, yeah, I mean, honestly, if Metroid, if that rapturous looking game where they walk in the room and that was it, if that was Metroid, like, if it was someone walking in with an arm cannon and then the camera spins around and it's Samus and it just says Wii U, people would have flipped out. But because we know nothing about it, people are like... Right, okay. 
So, but then that's also like the sequelitis that's plaguing the industry where only sequel filled buzz. So, yeah. there's two ways of looking at it. I think it was cool that Jeff Keighley actually went out and tried to get indie games to spotlight and not just the big blockbusters. But yeah, but yeah. So overall, pretty good show. Room for improvement. But of course, the big stuff was Nintendo. And they closed out the show with possibly the biggest way they could, the first footage of Zelda. The first gameplay, I should say. In-game gameplay of Zelda for Wii U. So, uh, it was a pre-recorded bit. It had Shigeru Miyamoto and the Zelda producer, E.G. Who, okay, I thought his name was Anuma. Apparently it's like Aonuma or Ianuma or like it has some extra syllable and I don't know what that syllable is because it's not in the writing of his name. <laughs> Remember when we were watching, we're like, that's how you say it? So I think it's like Aonuma, but, which is there, Ao, But, uh, so yeah, Ijanuma and Aonuma, whatever, and Miyamoto did a walkthrough. The footage was all off screen. You're watching a video of them watching a screen. But it still looked really good, I thought. Um, they basically showed how you're going to travel through Hyrule. And it's pretty much what they promised at E3, that anything in sight you can get to. So the idea is that, um, you know, you're standing somewhere. You jump into, like, a first-person mode. You can look around. You see somewhere you want to go. You jump back out of first person. You look at the game patterns. There's a map of all of Hyrule. It's a zoomable map. It had, like, four layers of zoom it looks huge Hyrule looks big probably I mean yeah and I remember they were saying that that's only like less than a fourth of the map I don't know it was like a that, they, I think they said that before they zoomed out all the way but I don't think they were showing the whole map either no well that's what yeah. they, they didn't yeah. they said oh this is just a tiny part of the whole map yeah it's huge and um, the cool thing is so then if, when you see what you want to see you just press it on the touch screen and a beacon shoots up and then that just kind of guides you where you need to go hop on a Pona who's now like semi-autopilot and will dodge trees for you and then you just kind of go someone's going to spend a lot of time trying to get it to crash into a tree. Probably. But as, as I think it was Anuma put it in the video, horses don't hit trees. <laughs> if you think about it, they never hit trees. So why should opponent hit trees? Uh, but that, of course, frees up your hands to fight enemies with arrows, with swords, collect items, that sort of thing. And honestly, the whole thing's basically Wind Waker on land. Like, opponent is now the king of red lions. You're doing the same stuff where it's like it's on autopilot and you're doing stuff involving the environment. Enemies are coming well, at king you. Well, King of Red Lions was never on autopilot. You just really had nothing to crash into. Cause well, yeah, the that's, that's what I mean. Around. Yeah, because I mean, opponent is only semi-autopilot. Um, anyway. And then, and like, animals mean, run um, alongside it, just like the seagulls did in Wind Waker. I mean, unless you mean um, Phantom Hourglass, that, in that game it was autopilot. I didn't mean Because he would, would draw the path. I didn't mean full. I meant, like, I, I meant Wind Waker style, which is how they described it anyway, where it's like, opponent is kind of self Like, we'll dodge trees and stuff so you can do other mm-hmm. things while running. It really feels like King of Red Lions. I mean, right down to the animals running alongside it at random, like the birds used to do. So basically, like, the land of Hyrule in this Zelda is the sea of Hyrule in Wind Waker. Because hopefully it's more um, dense. Yeah, because that ocean got a little empty. <laughs> a little? A little. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> but no, I mean, the nice thing is there does I mean, seem... I love that game, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, Wind Waker's my favorite Zelda, but it did get kind of I'm wearing empty. a Wind Waker shirt right now. You are, in fact. It's a really cool, like, stained glass one, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Anyway, um... Oh, it's, it's from... What? They made shirts for Wind Waker for yeah, Wii U? Wind Waker HD. Oh. How did... Where is that shirt from? I don't know. Would it say on the tag? I don't know. Let's stop the podcast and figure it out. I'm getting up to look. Uh, It just... It says Zelda on the tag. That's helpful. Interesting. That's very helpful. Well, um, all right. Well, everyone that can't see his shirt, it's made by Zelda, apparently. <laughs> Zelda herself. Uh, but no, what I was going to say is it does look like there's going to be a little more going on in Hyrule than there was in the ocean because uh, they mentioned that, like, the environment is kind of changing on its own. Like, you can eat an apple from a tree and it will be gone and then regrow and things like that. There's different enemies, of course, you'll encounter. Harvesting they never confirmed. outright... What? No, I said harvesting confirmed. Harvesting confirmed. They never outright... Uh, they never outright said they were going to a dungeon. 
Did you notice that when they were running, he's like, oh, here, like they're running past the thing, and Miyamoto's like, oh, that looks like a dungeon. And all he said was, eh. Like, he just made a sound. He didn't confirm it one way or another. So maybe the dungeon structure will be a little different. Shush, Miyamoto. It's <laughs> like, don't ruin this for me. Stop it, Dad. <laughs> one moment. <laughs> but uh, it is kind of funny. There's some good ribbing going back and forth between two of them. Like, they're kind of competitive. Cause, uh, it looks like this game is coming along nicely. Oh, how's Star Yeah, how's Star Fox doing? Oh, oh, don't, oh. don't you worry about Star That'll Fox. be out before your Zelda. <laughs> but, Ooh, so what do you say about that? <laughs> So that was actually a nice like confirmation that we are getting Star Fox. In I was really surprised they were going to get it that early. I'm shocked they're showing us a game coming out later before they're showing us a game coming out sooner. Like it's weird that they're like, look oh. at Zelda, look how great it is. How Star Fox? That, like Zelda would be like the November twenty something game, yes. and Star Fox will, will be, be August uh, or October or September. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I just thought it was very funny that like, oh, how's Star Fox? Oh, it's good. I'm not going to show you any, but it's coming along nicely. It's like, <laughs> why would you even mention it? But, uh, yeah, so that that's happening. And what, there are a couple other little things they did. Um, the, well, the sailcloth from Skyward Sword is back. So. Starring Smash for Wii U, Fox's voice. Oh, God, please no. Please don't do that, Star Fox. Landmaster! Like, do not, do not do that. <laughs> but it's weird because it's the same voice actor, but he says nothing like the old, the old Fox. I don't, I don't care. I, I think I've already gotten used to him. That's, that's just how Fox sounds to me now. That's, well, that's, I'm sorry, you have to live in that reality. <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> you have to live in that world of Fox sounding super nasally. <laughs> but, uh, Fox having a clothespin on his nose. But... In terms of Zelda, the sailcloth is back. They confirmed that. And one weird choice I'm not sure I'm a fan of is when you hit an enemy with your arrow, it now makes a metal clank sound to confirm you've made the hit. So, like, if you're on horseback, you know you yeah, made it. Yeah, it's them. like the opposite of what you're trained. Yeah. Every other Zelda clank means you hit armor or a shield and it didn't work. Now it means, congrats, you, you landed your hit. It's the exact same clank. That's the thing. It's not even a different clank. It's the exact same clank. No ratchet to be seen. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was lame. Uh, <laughs> and one other quote. This is the thing I thought was super... Well, before I get to that. One other thing I should mention. Um, there's like a slow-mo thing now. Zelda has bullet time, folks. Uh, when you dismount from the horse, you do like a front flip, and then you like kind of do this cool slow-mo landing, and the arrow shoots, and it, it looks snazzy. You're trying to recreate that thing from the trailer? Yeah, I think so. Well, now we know that thing from the trailer was gameplay, and not just a thing from the trailer. But yeah, as you're coming down, you can target multiple enemies, shoot your, or target enemies, arrow, 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 and then you tell oh, them to It's like the Deadeye from Red Dead Redemption. It's pretty similar. It's like a third-person... Or no, that was third person too. Yeah, yeah it's you basically could, the you same. just move your reticle to the people and then bam. Yeah, bam. well, I don't know if you can multi-target, but you can at least go one, two, three, like target, 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 like target, shoot, target, shoot, target, yeah. shoot. But it's still a cool touch. But one Easter egg I really liked. I love when Nintendo does this sort of stuff because uh, it plays up to nostalgia. But at the very start of the demo, we have a link in the podcast, by the way, in the blog post for the podcast with this image, with a link to this image, so you can see it for yourself. But in the demo, it starts with Link on top of a rock, like a rock cliff, overlooking all of Hyrule. And you can match it up perfectly with artwork from the original NESL. Perfectly? No, the, the, mountain, really the mountain range is identical. Um, Venture B actually inserted a screenshot in the middle I'm of the I'm artwork in the mountain about it. It, it, It's not identical. Hold on, hold on. Is similar? No, okay. Link himself is not identical, but the, the, the mountain ranges are, they line up perfectly. 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 I'm pulling are, up the are image. You, you're very sure. I'm pretty sure. Do you want to put money on this while I pull this up? I'll put a buck on it. You know, this is another great podcast moment because no one else can see what's happening. (laughs) But there is a link on the site. You know, I'm I'm taking the word perfectly. Look, 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 look. Look at the mountains and the sky. They line up perfectly. The mountain's the exact same height. The cloud continues over here. It's perfect. If you put the image in the middle, if you put the screenshot in the middle of the artwork, the the sky and mountains line up. Link obviously does not. Even the stone... Um, okay, the stone doesn't the quite stone match. Doesn't the stone doesn't match do not, at all. But the skyline is. And the mountains are close, but they're not perfect. 
Yes, they are. I'm, I'm looking for perfect. Well, you know what? It's a solid match. There. Solid. Metal Gear. No, it's a snake match. It's a snake match. See, see solid snake. Is the... The, the Flair thing that was intentional? Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was, uh, that I thought was a really nice nod to us diehard fans. But that's all we saw of Zelda. We saw about five minutes of footage. It is gameplay, and it's a huge get for uh, Jeff Keighley and the Game Awards. And more importantly, it does look really good to me. I don't know about you, but that's all we saw. That was it. That's how they closed out the show. Yeah, it kind of shows how much um, support Nintendo was willing to give. I mean... Yeah, that's the biggest get like, you can like, get. Like, like, showing Zelda footage, I feel it's like something they wouldn't just do lightly to anybody. So they must have really wanted to like help Jeff Keighley in this. I think it's a mix of that, and they realized this is a great opportunity to steal the thunder from everyone else. Because PlayStation Experience is all weekend. So Nintendo's like, well, how can we top that? We already have the we viewer. We have one game. We have one game that can. can trump the entire weekend. <laughs> uh, although I would really love for Nintendo to do a PlayStation Experience Story Weekend thing. That'd be awesome. Jeff Keighley was singing that Polygon interview. <gasps> he might try and get all I think the. I'm missing the live, the first live match of Street Fighter Five. Dang. Oh well. You could catch it in rerun. In rerun, you could watch it on demand later. I guess I will have to. Yeah, you're not in your own home right now. You have no way of watching it. You're not yeah. even on my Wi-Fi. So. Not live. We're recording. Yeah, we're recording it at my house for once, not yeah. at Jose's house. And you just gave away where I live to everyone. Thanks. Although it's in my Twitter profile. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was pretty much it for Zelda. So, I mean, what do you think? Because you don't play Zelda much. You watch Zelda. So, what do you think when watching it? I mean, I've only played. I played Olive Wind Waker and Olive Ocarina. But like everything else, you just watch your brother play. Yeah. So what did you think just watching Miyamoto and Anuma play it? What was your what was your takeaway? Because I think it looks awesome. I'm excited. I don't know. It, it looked generic. Really? Like generic compared to Zelda or generic compared to like to, just games of to, this to, era? Like, like I'm just like from just from a game point of view like just as a game right. not from a Zelda it just looked like a generic third person open world game. Well I mean because I've watched, I guess, my, yeah. cause I've watched yeah. my brother play a lot of open world games. I've watched him play Red Dead Redemption I've watched right. him play Assassin's Creed I've watched him play um, Infamous like just like all those kind of games, yeah. especially more towards um, Assassin's Creed and Red Dead Redemption, where there's a lot of horseback and open field like that. Right, right. And, yeah, it just seemed like, I don't know, it just seemed generic. It didn't really seem that exciting. I guess... I mean, if you're, like, if that's... But obviously, like, because I've been exposed to these things. If yeah. you've only played Zelda games, this is obviously going to be a huge deal and different. Yeah, and I and I guess also there's the fact that, like, and for Zelda to connect its dungeons this way and at this scale is new. And, that yeah, might be and I mean, like, I mean, it could still be exciting because, I mean, it, it's, you're throwing a Zelda wrench into the open world format. Right, right. But, um, I don't know, I've always... It didn't have the captivation for you I mean, that did for me, for example. Like, I mean, I... I've played through and watched, like, pretty much every single Zelda game in one way or another, and I still... I don't know, I feel like... The open world, or how, I mean, how it is right now, it's fine. I never felt it needed any change, but right. that's just me. Right. Well, I mean, Skyward Sword was the weird one, where they got rid of all that open world. So this is also a return to form, opposed to, like, a change. This is just, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, going back to the more open Twilight, Ocarina, Wind Waker, just bigger. Because oh. you are saying about, like, the change, so I was just saying, it's kind of weird that this is... Like, everyone's like, oh, it's so much bigger now. It's like, yeah, but this is actually returning yeah, to what it was, I'm, not something new. But, but they all... I don't know. In the way, they all still kind of feel the same. Like, if, if, except Sky. Well, even Skyward Sword had the sky even, flying. Even Skyward Sword, like, yeah, just, I had that at one like, point. You pretty much just do stuff, go to a dungeon, yeah. do stuff, go to a dungeon. Like, yeah. you, like no matter what you do or what you do, it's always going to come down to that. That is what Numa was saying before showing this. Like, like, there's no way you can change any of that and not 
make it a Zelda game anymore. Yeah, year. well, he was saying that like they want to mix up the formula. Remember he was saying about Link Between Worlds? He said for Zelda Wii U 2, they want to mix up the formula. I, and I think, one, I think the one here... Oh, that'd be kind of cool, actually. But I think the one... Imagine if this had a Four Swords component, but in the main game. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of neat. But yeah, I think the main, like, the main thing was... Um, that he was saying that, like, you know, we need to make it so it's not dungeon, overworld, dungeon, overworld, dungeon, overworld. So that's partly, I'm guessing, why it's like you can go anywhere on the map whenever you want. The dungeon might be how do you get to that part of the map. Like, the puzzle might be in the overworld itself, which is a little but that's what they, But that's, what that's they, every other third. That's what they did in Skyward Sword. You did true, a lot of true. mini dungeons that weren't actually inside of a dungeon where you got right. something but you still that were you go kind inside of the main your, dungeon. Right, but you did still kind of get your hand held through the order of events. Yeah, because he was saying more like you can do anything if you can figure out how. Yeah, I mean it'd be cool, I guess, if they pretty much turn it into a full realization of the first Zelda game. But just that's what it sounds like they're kind of wanting to do from the interviews I've seen. This is going back like a year though. Or I guess it'd be more like um, uh, a Link Between Worlds, but not as easy. I guess. Right. I love Link Between Worlds because I was actually able to beat it because I don't play games enough. Uh, but no, actually, yeah, no, that would make sense. If it's like a callback, like a throwback to the original openness of, like, the original Zelda, that would explain why they have, like, the little nod to the artwork in the first trailer. Like, this could be the actual 3D version of, like, the first Zelda. Yeah, the actual, like, I want to go into this cave. Oh, it turns out this was an actual important cave. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, cause, and that might be why Anuma made that kind of weird sound when Miyamoto was like, is that a dungeon? And he went confirm or deny because yeah. it's not exactly you'll know you have to go in that's yeah I mean maybe battle. things will be more spread out maybe like well that's for sure yeah. I think because there's that whole world living breathing world in between. like you might have like say a cave that actually has you have to go through some stuff and the only reward is the item and that's it like the item you use as your yeah. weapon but to get your heart piece or something else you might actually have to go somewhere else that'd actually be super cool and that would mix so, it up a fair amount so it's not like, like oh okay I guess I'm going to use this in this cave oh wait it's over okay I guess I have to use it somewhere <laughs> else I, I would be on board with that if they did, like, a totally exploring... Like, you totally have to explore everything. Yeah. And, and it would kind of, like, throw... Get rid of that logic of, like, wait, why would whoever created this dungeon leave everything perfectly set yeah. for yeah. the hero to come in? Because video games. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> yeah, it, no, it'd be I nice know. for that to kind of change a little. You know, the more we did, the more we talk about this, the more I'm really hoping that's the direction it goes in. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Occurring of time will tell. Yeah, but it's... I mean, it's coming in 2015. They reconfirmed it. So we'll know at most a year from now. Assuming it doesn't get delayed. But we'll see. I mean, 2015 is actually kind of... I never thought I'd say this. The lineup for Wii U is looking pretty stacked <laughs> in 2015. Those are words I never thought I would say. The lineup for Wii U looks pretty stacked. I mean, we have Zelda. We now know we have Star Fox. We have Splatoon. Xenoblade Chronicles X. In F-Zero. February... F- what? I almost <laughs> said it. I was like, yeah, F-Zero. <laughs> no, but we have Kirby and the Rainbow Curse in February. We have Yoshi's Boy World just confirmed for early 2015 in a press release the other day. So that's coming sooner rather than later. It's a pretty good list, and that's just the stuff we know of. There's still stuff to come. I mean, there's a rumor, uh, not a rumor, but there was a post on Miiverse the other day. They announced they're closing the Animal Crossing Plaza on Wii U. I never used it, whatever. Uh, and the series producer, she signed off with, uh, stay tuned for more Animal Crossing news next year. So if that's not a hint that we're getting Animal well, Crossing in 2015. You're going to get news next year for the Animal Crossing in 2016. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I guess if they have Zelda in 15, they could do Animal Crossing 16. I mean, if they announced it during E3, then I feel like we wouldn't get it until later. Not, it depends on how they handle E3. If they do it like uh, years past, it would be the same year. If they do it like how they did this year in 2014, it would be, yeah, probably not until 2016. I mean, if it's been, well, I guess it has been enough time since um, 
since New Leaf. New Leaf. Dude, they're releasing Zeldas every two years now. I think they could do Animal Crossing every yeah. two as well. Three. It'd be like two and a um, half, three. We'll see if I actually play this Animal Crossing just because it's on the console. Yeah, I feel like the console ones I don't play. For sure, we're going to buy it anyway, but it'll oh, be just like City Folk where I just bought it and... And barely played it. Same, it. same. Exactly same. Because it's just like Animal Crossing is one of those games where you can't just like, let me sit in front of my giant TV, boot it up and... Spend a couple hours running around. Like, it's, it's a handheld game. You play it here, you play it there, you, you like yeah, sit on the, the couch the, for 10 minutes. The only thing that I guess could be, would benefit this one more is the, the connectivity with friends. Right. Because I feel like on the 3DS, it's harder to get people to play together as opposed to on the console. Yeah, the Wii U has a much better online infrastructure. Yeah, and, I feel like, and even then, it's not good enough. <laughs> and I feel like I always have at least like six or seven people on. Usually always playing the same game. Right, right. Yeah, same, same. It's usually Smash these days, but... Yeah, I've, seen a, I've seen a nice influx of uh, Captain Toad recently, which I was happy about. Oh. It's a fun game. A couple, like, a couple people were playing it. I still see the occasional Skylander. Really? Cool. Interesting. I've seen Assassin's Creed from two years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so someone's, someone's still playing Assassin's Creed. But yeah, so Zelda closed out the uh, show, the Game Awards, but what opened it was another major Nintendo franchise, which was Mario and Mario Maker. So, um, oh yeah, that's another game coming in 2015. I didn't even add to my list. Mario Maker is going to be a big one. It's their 30th anniversary of, Mar- of, New- of uh, Super Mario Brothers games. They're, they're going to market it like mad, I'm sure. I'm more Can you excited believe- for that game than I thought it would be. Yeah, the reason. footage made it look way... Like, after E3, I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool tool. But then, after what they showed at uh, Game Awards, I was like, whoa, this, this could be cool. Like, they announced a couple things. They what added... Other, what other 2D Mario stuff haven't they showed off? Mario of? 2? Would they do Paper Mario? Paper Mario. Uh, Paper Mario would probably be what they would add. But but that one doesn't have platforming. Unless it's Super Paper Mario. And even yeah. then... I mean, they could make it yeah. so that it works, but... Mario 64 as a side-scroller? That'd look weird. Well, what, what they did... Well, isn't that basically Super, yeah, Super Mario Brothers 1? You're right, it is. But yeah, so what they did announce, just for people who may not have seen Game Awards, is there are now four graphic styles in the game. They At E3, I remember them saying, like, we might add more. Well, they did add more. So we now have NES Mario as original. As shown originally, uh, New Super Mario Brothers is shown originally, and now Mario Three and Mario World. No, those are well. Those are two out four. New were Super added Mario Brothers three. U specifically. Yeah, yeah, but opposed I mean, to just they're, they're all like super similar. But yeah, 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 the HDified it, one. But uh, and and what's interesting is you can switch between styles on the fly, and the styles themselves will actually change the gameplay mechanics. For example, ground pounding will only be in New Super Mario Brothers because that's where it was first introduced in the two D Mario. Uh, wall jumping will be there when applicable. Won't be there in the NES graphics. Mm. Like each one, so you so can build means... levels with each, but then if you switch the styles, in theory, but, the mechanic But also disappears. in theory, you might have to design a level that could kind of be played in all of them if you want, because... Well, when you share them, you share them in the stuff. Okay, let me back up. Yeah, they like, haven't announced how you share them. Yeah, because say, but... uh, say like you create a level that can only be beaten by doing a ground pound in a specific spot. Right, right. Like you obviously won't be able to beat it if you use the other... I wonder if Nintendo's going to do... Well, here's my theory. Okay, uh, real quick. Little more, one more thing to add, and I'll, it'll make sense because of my theory of where I'm going with this. Um, they also showed, for the first time, that you can switch... You, 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 they originally presented the game as you make a level and then you do a test run of the level. You then play the level. What they didn't show until Game Awards is you can switch from the editor to the game to the editor to the game on the fly at any time. It'll freeze frame the game. You can then like draw a platform under Mario, put an obstacle in front of him, hit play again, and it'll just keep going, but with the new object there. Okay, so the, the style changes you presumably can do on the fly. So yeah. the only way I could think of that would make sense to your point about like the ground pounding and whatnot is if they had like a puzzle mode where it's like, here's a level, figure out how to beat it, 
like switching between the, yeah like you like nintendo makes preset levels but they're missing elements that's almost like a puzzle game this is my theory they have not announced this but it's almost like a puzzle game where it's like okay you need to get to the end there's like thirty thousand piranha plants between you and there make it happen and it's like okay well i'll draw a platform and then mars going and then you get to like you get you know to the next part of the screen that you didn't see before and they're like wait a minute there's a wall here. How do I get around the wall? Oh, let me uh, jump to the editor, do a couple things, jump back. Okay, I'm past the wall. Now I need a ground pound. Oh, let me change styles. And then you kind of work your way through almost like a puzzle. That's the only way I could think of that makes sense for them to do the, to address what you were saying. Hmm. I think that would be really cool. They could do some fun stuff because they could also do like time trials. There's like how fast can you get through a level with minimum, or like number of edits, like make five or fewer, make five edits or fewer to beat the level and you get like achievements or something mm-hmm. like to be all <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like five individual changes or fewer like they can do some really creative stuff with this and they haven't shown any of that all they've shown is the fact that you can edit and that you can play so i, I don't know i mean right now if that's all it is it's not there's not much meat on the bones of the game at all it's kind of overly simple but they add modes like that or like imagine multiplayer if like i'm on the gamepad you're on the wii remote and then like you know, you're just playing through, and then I have the ability to, like, at random, like, you jump in the air, and I just, like, freeze frame it, put, like, 20 enemies in front of you, and you have a split second to, like, it's almost like figure out a new op- a new way around it. It's like a more in-depth version of New Super Mario Bros. where yeah. you just add platforms. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But with that, blow. like, all this is total speculation, because, again, all they've showed is you can edit and you can play. But with the seamless transitioning, that seems like all this is super yeah, possible. I, I, I can see them... F- they did mention they want to expand this to other franchises eventually, but... Yeah. yeah. I mean, so far, I can see them, I can see them easily doing this with Kirby... Yep. Maybe Yoshi. Kirby DLC pack. Eventually, maybe. That'd be crazy if they have, like, a make-your-own-Zelda game. That'd be... It'd have to be 2D. It'd have to be top-down. Yeah. So that way it would work. But that'd be super cool. But, but yeah, I'm excited about the potential more than I am about what we saw. Like, what we saw, like, oh, it looks great. Like, it is nice to see all the... I remember you were saying during the awards, like, when we were watching it, like, oh, the sprites look really cool in HD because they have, like, that shadow on them now and stuff. Like, so they're crisp. It's like an HD remake of an old game without actually... It's, HD-ing yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but, I, don't know, I think that looks nice. But um, like it all looks nice, but there just wasn't much to it. Yeah. One still, o- one other thing, I f- depending on how in depth the maker actually is. Yeah. Because I feel like they might have to limit some things, but um, I don't know. It feels like this might be um, one of the last times we see two D Nintendo. I mean, two D Mario. Yeah, a two D Mario game that like. After this, I don't know. That's an interesting point, because, like, how, why would Nintendo make more games if you could just make your own? Yeah, exactly. Like, if they pull out any 2D Mario platformer, yeah. anyone could just recreate the levels and then play it themselves, theoretically. There has to be some and other people, And other yeah. people could download it. Or, on the other end, um, people are really creative. Like, if you, if you see what the people make with Little Big Planet. Or Smash Bros. Smash Kickball. Oh, yeah, like, just, like, stuff like that. Like, people make things that are just unbelievable. So, I could even see Nintendo might not even being able to compete with yeah. the user's creations. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like... They're making they, whole new modes in Smash yeah, Bros. Yeah, exactly. With Smash Brothers, um, people and a lot of reviewers said that, like, oh, the editor's underwhelming. You can't really do much with it. But people seem to be, like, ex- I don't know, going all out with it. Yeah, Maybe I mean, like, we when we played it, yeah, we were talking about it last episode, we thought it was pretty good. Like, yeah. it, yes, there's not a lot of options what you can do, but there's a lot you can do with the options you have. Yeah, like I don't know, people really surprised me. Like, I can't... Well, yeah, we could definitely try Smash Bros. Smash Kickball today. Yeah, we're, we're doing a whole Smash Bros. party after we're done recording this, so yeah. But, um, yeah, Smash Kickball is a cool idea because it's like, they literally made a whole new game mode. Yeah. Basically, for those who haven't seen it, they put cannons on either end of a stage that shoot you straight down to the bottom of the stage, like, insta-kill. So you're trying to shoot people, like a basketball, into the cannons that are almost like hoops on either end. Yeah, they're, and they're, you can have teams yeah, and everything. Yeah, they're designed to look like hoops. And, yeah. and those are... 
And it's basically that's the only way you could die. Yep. Because if you get hit up or in any other direction, the cannons stage, launch you back to the yeah, stage. Yeah, the center of the stage. It's like going out of bounds in basketball. And if you just fall down, you could recover yourself by going to a cannon that shoots you back to the stage. Yep. So. yep. It's a really cool idea and very creative. So I'm hopeful yeah. people like that will get and, their hands on Mario Maker. And another, and, I, and even within that, like I saw some people doing, um, like obviously there's a one on one where you could try to hit your opponent into the hoop, but yeah. I've seen people do. Um, Another version where they put themselves on the same team, mm-hmm. and then they'll have a level one computer as Kirby being the ball, right? And whoever scores the most KOs on Kirby wins. So they oh, that's pretty good. Easy. So like they'll have someone pick Donkey Kong, they'll grab the ball and they'll like dunk it in. Or, right, oh, right. It, it, Presumably Jigglypuff could work too. I guess. It's, yeah, in it's that really clever because I mean you're literally playing with a ball essentially, yeah, like, getting yeah. it from each other. But oh um, man, that's. Like, See, if people get if those people get their hands on Mario Maker, yeah, I guess even with limited game modes, like if all my pipe dreams of like time trials and missions and challenges yeah, and like multiplayer, those, those if those don't happen, people will make stuff, and it's probably gonna be verse sharing. They'd be stupid not to. So there's yeah. gonna be very cool opportunities. I for mean, Mario Maker. the the want is there. I mean, yeah, gone with how many Super Mario levels are in Little Big Planet or that's true. any game maker that's very of any true. sort. Yeah, it's funny because like. Honestly, Little Big Planet. When we first saw Little Big Planet, like when it was first revealed, I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, this is how Nintendo would make a custom um, build your own Mario game. This is it." But now they've gone. You know what? We're just gonna literally we're we're just giving you Mario Paint, but for levels. Like just yeah. we're giving. They didn't even try and like Nintendoize it. It's just a level editor, which in many in some ways makes it easier for people. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, it's just kind of funny that like that flip pattern. Like people are doing the like Nintendo approach to creativity in Little Big Planet. And now I'm kind of like, here, just take the tools. Leave us alone. <laughs> but but the other interesting thing about uh, this Mario game, and this is kind of big news, is that Koji Kondo himself, for the first time in years, is going to be doing all the game uh, game's music arrangements and all the sound effects. He hasn't done that in a number of years, where he's the head guy. So but it's the, also one of the games where since you're just making things out of already established... Yeah. Here's a, well, stuff, here's what's like, interesting. What's, the, what's he really doing beyond Super yeah, That's what's interesting is he... So the gameplay is going to have typical Mario music. But then when you – the thing they're trying to do is when you in, do that seamless transition to the editor, um, that's where he comes in. Because what he's going to do is he's basically doing rearrangements of all of the music. So – and it's going to be seamless. So when you're trying to edit, like maybe you'll notice the drum line changes or like there's some little flourish here or there. So he's basically remixing his own music from 30 years ago. It's like if Daft Punk – it's like if Daft Punk Daft Punk their own album their own album from last year. Because you know, their last album was them attempting to make the music they used to sample in their older stuff. And now here's Koji Kondo going, well, here's the music I used to make. Now here's me, like, remaking it. So, I mean, it's not, like, a huge burden for him to do this, but it's still kind of cool that they got him involved in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. He did say there's no music editor, though. So anyone that has Mario Paint and is hoping to be able to make music, no. Not going to be able to do it with Mario Maker. Only Koji Kondo. <laughs> so, so there's still no word on a release date, but I'm expecting... He will be using the Mario Maker music editor to make the music. Yes, but you just won't have <laughs> access to it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he, um, it's going to be a big release when Nintendo does it, because it is the 30th anniversary of Mario. They're already positioning it as such. And, of course, Koji Kondo's presence at the Game Awards was now, now that we know he's so heavily involved in Mario Maker, clearly a marketing move more than anything else. Yeah. But it's still cool to have him. And you have to realize that this is a really big deal coming from Nintendo. Like, usually the people that yeah. think, like, all their games are sacred, they don't want anyone touching them but themselves, and just to give it all up. Yep, yep. Well, Nintendo's opening up Mario in a lot of ways. Did you hear yeah. the rumor? Well, it's not even a rumor. You know the Sony Pictures uh, email leak that mm-hmm. happened? Basically, for those of you who don't know, because you live under a rock, Sony Pictures got hacked 
badly. All their emails got leaked. Yeah, we know stuff clean like clean and red and awesome. Yes, yeah. clean and red and powerful. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. For yeah, that's one of the things that came out is uh, Twenty Three Jump Street's gonna be a Men in Black reboot where the two where Chang Tam and Jonah Hill go fight aliens supposedly. To which Jonah Hill said in an email to Sony, "Oh, I think that's clean and rad and powerful." That was all his feedback. I don't know what any of it means, <laughs> but um, but no. One of the leaks is that someone at Sony, the producer at Sony, got the rights to make an animated Super Mario Brothers movie from Nintendo. So just to sum that up, Sony, makers of PlayStation, their sister division, is making a movie for their competitor Nintendo, supposedly. So yes, Nintendo's definitely opening up Mario. I mean, who knows if that's true or not. It's crazy nonetheless. But point being, that means they are definitely opening up Mario a little more. Well, I mean, with the way um, the Ratchet and Clank movie and Psycho were being handled, it feels like Mario would be in good hands. They're, they actually, if they're doing it, they're having the guy that um, I forgot who, but someone that was involved with um, Hotel Transylvania, the director of oh, that. that has really good animation. Yeah, that director. I forgot his name. A lot of CG movies aren't, aren't really doing like the whole... Treating the CG models like old, these cartoons where they actually like stretch them out and oh, that's neat. that seems fitting. For so, Mario. so it's like you don't really see it when you're you don't really see it as much because it's like a single frame or two, right. but like you kind of feel it and it, everything just feels more fluid. Right. Well, so, that's perfect for Mario because yeah. he's growing and shrinking and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, he has denied that he's directly involved. We don't know anything beyond them getting the rights. There's still like a million steps to go through to turn it into a movie and have it released. Who knows? Nintendo will probably shoot down the plot. You never know. But nonetheless. Iwata's following through on his. We're going to open up our IPs to other companies pretty pretty majorly with this. So, I mean, not just another company. Their main gaming competitor's sister division. Oh. Like, that's like... that's I, I would say that's crazier than Mario and Sonic appearing in the same game. Yeah. To have Sony making a Nintendo product. But that's what well, you know. Uh, the final thing, going back to Game Awards, there was one more thing announced. We I don't mean, have a lot. I mean, yeah? It's like... It's basically like Nintendo saying, like, hey, Sony, want to make some money? Yeah. I mean, why would... Make some money and keep us, uh, like, keep our budget down because we don't have to make it ourselves. Yeah, so, well, I don't know. I, I, I thought Disney would be a better fit, though. Because, like, Disney and Nintendo are so closely aligned on marketing already. And, like, like they do so much Disney Channel marketing and they have such good relationships with Disney. Yeah. But it also could be that they might not even have the manpower to even do it. That's true. Because, I mean, they're always stopped. Like, when they're already working on, like, two or three movies beyond right. the movie that they're currently having. Right, right. That's very true. Both on Pixar of, and Disney Yeah, animation. on top of helping each other. Yeah, so, yeah. that might be why. I mean, Pixar and Disney yeah, helping yeah, each yeah. other. So. And DreamWorks is, like, falling apart, so they wouldn't want to go there. So <laughs> I guess Sony Sony is the up-and-coming animation house. I mean, they did uh, Quiet Chance of Meatballs, which One, the two. sequel was super good. Because of the food puns, but... Yeah. But yeah, uh, but Game Awards. There was one more game that Nintendo revealed. This was probably the the least exciting of the bunch. Uh, Codename Steam. So along with the big guns of Mario and Zelda, Nintendo also Little brought Link. along some uh, Abe Lincoln. Yeah, they they brought along some Abe Lincoln. So specifically, they confirmed that there's going to be online play and local play for multiplayer in Codename Steam, and they gave a release date of March 13th, uh, which is sooner than I thought. I would have expected summer, like June, but. So what we they basically reiterate what we already know in that it's an action-oriented turn-based combat game. Your uh, each character has um, you know you control each of different abilities. It's behind the shoulder shooting, but it's turn-based. But you have an overwatching which lets you like go during other people's turns. So it's not really turn-based, but it's kind of turn-based. It's all steam powered, so you only can do limited things before you run out of steam. No pun intended. <laughs> Literally run out of steam. Uh, 
But they did kind of reveal some other stuff separately, like characters you can customize their uh, weapon loadout, so that's more strategy side, and then more on, more on the action side, there's no overworld map like you'd expect from a game from Intelligent Systems. They're making this, they made Advanced Wars, they made Fire Emblem, both of those. You can see the whole level. You can plot out. I'm going to go here, then there, then there. This one, you just run and gun. Yeah, I mean... As I, much as you can before you run out of steam. I mean, I'd be lying if I said this game didn't look... Huh. Like it had a lot of potential. It does, but I'm like oddly not... Lion because of the lion. Yeah, they're, in case you didn't not just anything. a lion, but the lion from Wizard of Oz. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, because how's this for a great cast? Abe Lincoln, Tom Sawyer, the lion from Wizard of Oz. Uh, Tiger Lily from Peter Pan. Tiger Lily <laughs> from Peter Pan. Uh, it's just like all these random, hey, they don't cost money to use these characters. Let's use them. Yeah. And they're all London, weirdly. Like, it has Abe Lincoln, but it's not even in America. And they're all fighting an alien invasion in a steampunk world. Because that's just how this alternate reality works. But, but what I was going to say is, like, I'm interested because it's intelligent systems. I like the idea of the gameplay, but I just can't get myself excited. I don't know. I think it's, I need to wait for reviews their, or something. their choice of paint. I think it's too westernized. Oh, yeah, it's like, too... yeah, like I said in the last podcast, it's too... And it feels like it's trying to be wacky and weird for the sake of being wacky and weird. It's trying to be Elite Beat Agents without having the genuine heart of Elite Beat Agents. Yeah, because that game was... like That was wacky and weird, but it felt right. Like Yeah, it was just so over the top, but it didn't take itself seriously. And this one, it feels like it might be taking itself a little seriously. Oh, no, no, no. It's not taking itself seriously. Abe Lincoln, I mean, there's no way they're taking themselves seriously. It just doesn't feel as... It doesn't feel as genuine. It, yeah, yeah, genuine. I don't think it's a serious issue. I think it's a trying-too-hard issue. Hmm. But, but yeah, it's weird because like, I'm sure as we get closer to March 13th and they reveal more. I mean, online multiplayer, that's a, no intelligent systems game has online multiplayer, does it? Pretty intelligent move. It, it sure is. Pretty pretty intelligent of them. I'm just going to repeat yeah. your pun. It's a good uh, system they're working on. Yeah, it is a good system they're working Very intelligent to them to choose this system. Yeah. You could say the system is an intelligent system. You, you could. You could. <laughs> yeah. They were getting pretty advanced with our pun war here. Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um, uh, wow, that was that was something. That's on audio. That is recorded for eternity. That is going in like the record books right there. Uh, but uh, we've done worse. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like... I feel like just, something's just, there's something missing. So I'm hoping as we lead in, because like online is good, and like that's a great addition that they've never done, and like it's unique to some extent, so that's cool, but... I'm just not hooked yet. So hopefully between now and March, Nintendo really blows the um, roof, like the lid off the details on this, and we can actually get some something more captivating. I don't know. Like it, I maybe it just looks too much like a kids show. I don't know what it is. Any of the drummer boy or you said any of the drummer boy? I don't know the the one from the pictures of the revolution. Oh 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 yes. I'm, I'm trying to oh something a, an anthropomorphic eagle, kind of like the lion. But they have... You can summon an eagle as one of the main guys. See, that, that's a reaction. I would love to have seen an anthropomorphic eagle. That would sell you on the game? I think it would. Just that. Yeah, like a... a what about they add Scruff McGruff? Chica- the, the, the top crime dog in the land. He's from a totally different century, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. I mean, if they have steampunk, they can have time travel. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I would have really wanted like an anthropomorphic eagle. That should have... That sh- the eagle should have been the leader. Nintendo, are you listening? Are you listening, Nintendo? Add a, or no, sorry, intelligence system. With, like, with like a bandana kind of just like Rambo. But... Oh, that'd be great. And with big muscular wings. And a vest. And like the black football style yeah. thing under his so Basically, you want a mascot of the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles to go and be in this game. Is what you're saying. 
from what I can tell. But no, seriously, um, like I really hope they do a yeah, more, including your. Eagle. could be yelling America, and then everyone gets powered up. Well, he'd be—he's an eagle, so he'd be like cawing and be more America yeah. or something. Like it's, his call would just be America. It should just be the the, the eagle call. It should. It should. Yeah. Why aren't we making video games again? I don't know. Oh, well, we're not the intelligent <laughs> ones with the right system, I guess. I brought it all back, full circle. And the credits theme will be the Team America theme. <laughs> we have got the rights to that, but yeah. There will be a lot of censoring too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a town game, it's gonna be adult only game. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there is time for Nintendo to show their anthropomorphic eagle. That sounds wrong, actually. Nintendo's going to show their anthropomorphic eagle. <laughs> but there is time for them to show off some more stuff, because it's not out till March. So, And, you know, about that March date, how much do you want uh, bet Majora's Mask 3D is going to be released right around March 13th as well? And how much do you want to bet that that same day will also be the new 3DS? It makes sense. Majora's Mask will be the flagship game for the new 3DS. Codename Steam will get a sales boost because it's a new IP, but it's launching alongside the new system. So more people will pick it up because it's, you know, a launch game. It makes too much sense. Which means too, it can't be happening. A little too much. A little too much sense for it to be real. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But if I, so I'm putting, I'm putting down my, my bet. Mid-March, we will see Majora, new 3DS, and, well, obviously this game because it's already dated. But yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, you know, speaking of saying, check out this transition. Saiyan? Are we going to talk about Dragon Ball V? No, I was just saying, speaking of saying, here's a great transition. That's all Nintendo was saying at the Game Awards. That was all they announced, those three games. But uh, that was, I am proud of that transition. I will put down my tombstone. Real life retweet. I'm proud of that transition. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much what was at the Game Awards. I would say overall, it's a pretty impressive showing from Nintendo. I really hope they continue to use it as they did this year, because it's, there's no way Nintendo gets 2 million people paying attention to all their announcements. They could do bigger stuff in the future. So, good for them. Outside of the Game Awards, there were a few other interesting announcements. Nowhere on the same scale, but, uh, might as well run through a couple of those, just because, you know, there's more stuff coming to 3DS, a system that, besides Codename Steam and Majora, doesn't really have anything for 2015 that we know of. So we're getting some third-party stuff to fill the void. Namely, what I'm calling the Atlas Duo. Atlas announced two different games, kind of 3DS, in the first part of 2015. Um, one of which is an Etrian Odyssey spinoff, which, for those who haven't played Etrian Odyssey, is this surprisingly popular um, first-person dungeon crawler, like a throwback to like 80s dungeon crawlers. Uh, it's been on DS, it's been on 3DS, and now it's merging with Mystery Dungeon, the same Mystery Dungeon as Pokemon. And it'll be coming to North America this spring as Etrian or sorry, Etrian Mystery Dungeon, because they're really creative with their naming. So, uh, the, the funny thing about Mystery Dungeon is it's mashed up with, like, everything. So this is just another in a long list. But basically, they're taking Etrian Odyssey's characters, making them chibi, plopping them into Mystery Dungeon, and taking chibi, them... They like have the, to be chibi. They take the Persona, yep. Etrian Odyssey combo. Yeah, for some reason, they just have to be chibi when they're in spin-off. It's so you could distinguish them. It's like, oh, they're chibi, it must be a spin-off. Oh, they look realistic? Well, that must be the first-person adventure that I've grown to love. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you tell them apart. But, uh, yeah, so they're the they're killing the first-person perspective because it's a mystery dungeon game. So you're going to have, like, the usual Pokemon mystery dungeon top-down angled view. Isometric view, as some call it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's pretty much it. They're keeping the leveling-up system, which is one of the more unique things about Etrian Odyssey. It, was, it and the first-person view are probably the two, like, real standout things about that. So they're keeping that. They're taking away first-person... And, you know, I mean, like, I have never been huge on Mystery Dungeon games, but what's kind of neat is that the 3DS is very... It already kind of was, but now more so than ever, it's becoming, like, the strategy game system. 
And you have Fire Emblem Awakening. You now have Codename Steam. You now have actually a Mystery Dungeon. You have Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. So it's it's you, have you know the Dempaman. You have yeah you have like seventeen different Dempaman games. They came by wave. They returned by wave. Oh look, the wave is crashing again. Oh, tidal wave. Like it's just endless waves. But uh, yeah, there's like a lot of strategy games. So if you like that, it's gonna be a good early 2015 for 3ds. And I mean, um, it's also smart timing on Atlas's part because a bunch of people might buy the new 3ds or the old 3ds and codename Steam and then want like another fix of strategy after. And boom, they have Etrian uh, Mystery Dungeon ready to go. They also have um, a second game ready to go, which is Shin Megami Tensei Double Survivor 2, which as those who know their strategy games are going to be like, that was out on DS four years ago, and you're right, or three years ago, and you're right, it was. But they're doubling the game's length with new content, adding a new playable character, extending the plot, adding voice acting, and calling the whole thing, get ready for this, Shin Megami Tensei Double Survivor 2 Record Breaker. Because Whoa. that's that's a long name. That's, um, so, that's pretty... Um... Mouthful. <laughs> them gonna be a record the record breaker. breaker. Well, they're bre- I guess they're breaking all the records in the previous game because it's literally doubled the length. <laughs> so your time in the game, guess what? You have to double it. But yeah, so there. That's coming as well from Atlas. That's coming out first, sometime in early 2015, while Etri Mystery Dungeon is in spring, shortly after Codename Steam. So Atlas is doing doing things, and this is this is the first from Atlas, I believe, since they or among the first. Persona Q might have been the first since they got bought by Sega. So. The new Atlas. Uh, outside of that, though, so that's for strategy fans. That's pretty good. Yeah, strategy fans are gonna have a very good early 2015 because like every major 3DS release except Majora's Mask is a strategy game. Was well, Atlas the one working on? Yes, Shimigami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem. No, oh. um, well, I know what happened to that. Game. Isaac Rebirth. No, that's Nicholas. Nicholas. Nicholas is an yeah. indie developer. Atlas is like an actual oh, yeah, yeah. company. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. Why I was thinking of. Nicholas. Yeah, I don't know why I confused no. them. Yeah, Nicholas. They also did Cave Story and uh, the one with the squid that I'm blanking on the name of, Ikachan. Yeah. And uh, uh, the other Cave Story and that other Cave Story and that fifth version of Cave Story. Uh, they did a lot of Cave Story. Uh, Thousand One Spikes. Yeah, Thousand One Spikes. Yeah. yeah Atlas was... Like Atlas does RPGs and, and 999 and Persona and Shimagami Tensei. And, and presumably they're still working on, working on that Fire Emblem crossover, but who knows? Who knows what happened to that? Two years ago now? Yeah, and we haven't heard a peep. I wonder if it got canceled quietly. Well, the most we saw was concept artwork flashing past itself. Like, just, like, pictures shooting by. Like, I, it was never even, like, there's no footage. Yeah. So who knows? Or do maybe you, it's just a 2016. Do you like peeps? Do I like peeps? Yeah. Like the marshmallow candy? Yeah. What brought that up? Peeps? Did I say peeps? I said people. Yeah, but you said oh, peeps. You said, I do enjoy peeps, but not too many, because then I feel like my head's going to explode from a sugar rush. <laughs> it's, like, pure sugar. So, Yeah. I'm glad we talked about that, though. It's good, good random. Well, now, now we know. Yeah, now we know. Now everyone knows. I mean, so, yeah, listeners, if you if you don't like your peeps, you can send them my way, but I'm only going to eat, like, one or two of them. So it's a waste of food. Well, I was expecting at least five. Actually, who am I kidding? I'll eat a whole package. Oh, yeah. And then suffer. <laughs> but then I'll be so happy for, like, ten minutes and then suffer for, like, five hours. Uh, but, yeah, one other announcement. Totally no transition. Uh, Life of Pixel. So this is an indie game that I thought was kind of worth highlighting because it's kind of a cool idea. I mean, stop me if you've heard this before. It's a 2D side-scrolling platform with retro graphics, and it's made by an indie developer. Yikes. But here's where things are kind of cool. Speaking of originality. I know, but the twist is kind of original and neat in that it's a tour of old 8- and 16-bit graphic styles. And not just graphic styles, but old games, too. So what they're doing is um, there's 13 different consoles and computers represented. NES, Game Boy, Apple II, Atari 2600, a whole bunch of others. And each, you know, you go through the game as Professor Pixel, who's literally just a green pixel. 
and you're platforming through these levels as the graphic styles change. And then throughout, you're also going to be plopped into worlds from classic games. So they don't have the Mario, Zelda, or Mega Man rights, but they'll have references to those. But they do... That exactly like two other indie games that I know about. Really? Identical. Um, oh. There is another indie game, I forget what it's called, but it starts like a little boy that starts off as a single pixel. Every time that he unlocks like a treasure chest, he gets his graphics, his resolution, and the resolution of everything increases a little. That sounds... Until, he gets, until he gets to like 32-bit or something. Uh-huh. And then there's another one that kind of does the same thing, but it does it from... Uh, a top-down Zelda point of view where it starts off in like the most retro graphics you could think of and uh-huh. it works all the way to like CG polygons. Oh. Like but do they but do they have levels ripped straight out of Prince of Persia, the original Apple II version? Oh, no. And how about out of uh, Turrican, a PC game that you probably never even heard of? Turok? Turrican. Oh, no. <laughs> well, this does. Oh. So, there, I guess? So, there? <laughs> so, so, they, so, they have references. That's what they got. Yeah, they have references, both licensed and I mean, the other two games that I mentioned are supposed to be They're both available on Steam. Yeah, this one, Life of Pixels, on PC and Mac right now. So, I guess it's not as original as the I guess not. Well, That's unfortunate. well, let's just pretend this couple, this segment never happened. Well, no, but, but it still could be cool. Yes. The other two weren't. This will be on eShop. It's only going to be $7. So, it depending on its length, that could be well worth the money. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, it's basically ready for Nintendo to... Um, lot check already they're about to submit it so it could be very soon that we get but i, I think it's kind of a cool concept just to know it wasn't original yeah well i mean i, th- I think the fact that nintendo players kind of finally experience yeah. something like that and it does have the yeah, perk I mean, of a uh, leaderboard online leaderboards for time trials time yeah, runs, yeah. speed runs yeah because it's kind of like even if people already knew about those other games it's more like oh i hear about all these cool games but i can't play any i wish right. there was an equivalent that I could right right access. and now and hopefully a good equivalent too yeah yeah so, but, yeah, so those are the other announcements. So definitely Just, still worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that and probably have impressions of it when it comes out. I feel like I'm going to end up buying it. But that's it for um, announcements of new games out, in and out of the Game Awards. But there was some drama. Outside of Game Awards, the other big news in the Nintendo world was some, some deep, deep drama involving those lovable little Amiibo figurines. So, yeah, whoever um, is, like, releasing these messages that con- Nintendo contradict, needs to e- to contradict each other should together. really stop. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because we just spent so much time talking about, like, look what's coming out, and now we're switching to, like, look what's here, except it's not actually here. That's the problem. It's not here. It's literally, like, scalper fuel. Yeah, it's... Going on right uh, so, here's the backstory. For those... I'll just run through really quick the whole history for those who haven't been keeping up with the Amiibo drama. So, basically, last weekend, a Canadian retailer named Video Game Plus reported that... Uh, their distributor that works with Nintendo told them that three Amiibo are already discontinued after over only one shipment. Marth, Villager, Wii Fit Trainer. Done. That's what they were told. So they tweeted this out, and this is off a whole frenzy of scalpers and collectors rushing to stores to buy what was left. I mean, all, I fell into the trap. I was like, Best Buy, there's a Wii Fit Trainer on the bottom of the shelf just sitting there. No price tag, no, like, you know, barcode price tag anywhere on the shelf. Just a box on the ground. And I was like, well, it's the last one. Might as well. Because gang just continued, might as well. So now I have a Wii Fit trainer still in the box just sitting in my house. I'm never going to sell it. I just kind of bought into the frenzy. But yeah, so that was announced. Literally. Literally. So that was announced, and then everyone panicked. Then came the mixed messages from Nintendo. So first there was David Young of Nintendo's PR team. We've actually seen him at multiple Nintendo events. I think he demoed a game for us once. He's a nice nice guy. But he, uh, he emailed out that no Amiibo had been discontinued. He responded to a journalist or someone that has email and said, no, nothing's discontinued. Less than 24 hours later... Nintendo put out a statement to Wired and a couple other sites and said, direct quote, due to shelf space constraints, constraints, other figurines, presumably not popular ones, likely will, no, will not return to the market once they have sold through their initial shipment. So the keyword being likely. Nintendo wouldn't actually say 
you're right, they're gone. Or no, they're not. Just saying it's likely you won't see some. And this, of course, set off a whole second firestorm of back and forth as people started contacting Intel customer service who said, no, 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 nothing's been discontinued. But then the statement's like, yes, we're probably going to discontinue some things. And now on top of that, GameStop and Toys R Us inventory system, screenshots got leaked that showed Mark, Villager, and Refit Trainer all listed as discontinued. So that's kind of where it was at going into... Um, wave two of the Amiibos. But to make matters worse, the rumors continued to pile up about the availability to the point where then people started scrambling for wave two and wave three pre-orders just to make sure they don't get now, screwed. Wasn't there another statement saying that um, that they may have... They may not restock shipments right now, but they, but they may later. But yeah, they eventually plan to always keep them on the, store, on the shelves, essentially. Yeah, th that's the thing. They keep sending different statements and no one knows because then people are like, yeah, because they did say that. They said that, and, or they said they can't guarantee, it was something along the lines of, yeah, they can't guarantee when they'll be back, but they may be back. And it's like, well, that's not a yes or a no. Just tell us, if you're going to discontinue Mark Villager or Weefa Trainer, just say, at this time, we are dis we will not be selling Mark Villager. It's not that hard. But then, like, on top of that, it got more confusing because, you know, first, all the pre-orders for the future waves started going, like, disappearing. I mean, I, I ended up not panicked, but I immediately, after this store broke last week, was like, all right, time to go pre-order while I want. So I have Captain Falcon, Toon Link, and Mega Man waiting for me out of Best Buy. But it's like, I did, I'm not letting this happen. <laughs> like, I'm not falling into this trap. But then, right after that, rumors start coming out that now Donkey Kong, Samus, and Fox may be the next wave ones to disappear. Unsubstantiated. Who knows if that's true? Uh, but even then, we still haven't gotten confirmation that anything is gone. Or not gone. Nintendo just keeps doing these, like, dilly, like tiptoeing around it statements, like you said. Yeah. Which is weird. And then Wave 2 itself is confusing now, because instead of launching all at once, as you would think Wave 2 would do, Wave 2 is launching in, well, waves. You have three already out. Diddy, Zelda, and Lil Mac are in the world, are out across North America with no announcement of a street date, no announcement of a releasement. They, releasement's not a word, is it? They no. just, of a release, they just appeared. <laughs> like, it's just on Friday. They're just like, oh, hey, look what we have in stock. It's like, uh, okay. Meanwhile, Pitt, Luigi, and Captain Falcon are supposedly hanging later this month, but Nintendo still isn't giving a date. No one knows when. My Captain Falcon pre-order just updated from a expected release of December 31st, 2015 to expected release of December 31st, 2014. So I know I'm getting it this year. Maybe. But I don't know when. And then, uh, like, it's just... And Wave 3 is not even available for pre-order at a lot of places. There are rumors going around that this one I don't believe is true, but that GameStop's hoarding some of their Shulk-exclusive figurines so they could sell them out markup later on after, you know, the release date. Which I don't believe for a second because there's no way Nintendo would allow them to do that. But, because Nintendo, at the end of the day, still knows how many you're selling and how many they're shipping to the company. Yeah. So they have point of sale system. They understand that. So I don't think they're doing that. But nonetheless, it's very messy. It's very confusing. It reminds me of a lot of those early, back before the NES did, like, its major launch, back in the very early days of the NES, Nintendo, when they were, like, first testing the market, didn't have solid release dates. They're like, oh, yeah, it'll come out in November. And, like, for the longest time, Nintendo itself didn't even know the launch date of Mario and the NES in America. Because it was like a very fluid moving date. And then like you'd be like, oh, do you have a copy of uh, you know, do you have a copy of Duck Hunt? Oh, well, it came out this month. We haven't gotten our shipment yet. But we may be getting it next week. I don't know. Like they didn't have dates. It was just like a fluid, like, oh, we might have it at some point. It seems like whenever Nintendo enters a new industry, they don't know how to like home in on a date or something. It's it's strange. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's an interesting situation. I feel like... You're secure. I feel like this wouldn't really affect the average Joe just because any characters they would want are more than likely always going to be really available. I don't know. Villager seems pretty... Villager and March scalpers are selling for like hundreds of dollars already. Like I said, the average Joe that probably mm -hmm. plays Mario and Samus games. Well, yeah, this is for the like, more core fans. Yeah, like, Mario and Samus games? Is that what you just said? 
Yeah, dude. Samus games? Yeah, Samus games. Uh, you, know, I, you, know, I, you know, like, Metroid? Samus games. I've heard people call... starring Sam- I've heard people call, like... I, I knew what you meant, but I've heard people call Samus Metroid. I've never heard someone call Metroid Samus. <laughs> Man, I sure love that Samus Prime. I know you meant games well, with that, Samus. I mean, that wasn't what I was... I know, I know, I, mean, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not time. that average Joe that I'm thinking about. Link is who you're about. thinking of, by the way. Link is the one that people would gravitate towards more than Samus. I mean, Samus might be on next on the uh, chopping block well, already. Uh, I, I do like Samus more than Link. But anyway. Um, not the average Joe. <laughs> Link's the top selling amiibo worldwide, just saying. Do people like that on Yellow Card Stick? Um, yep, they sure like it. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, I feel like the average Joe won't really have much of a problem with this since... All the most popular toys are always available. You always see them everywhere. Yeah, although but, they're starting to run a little low too. Yeah, but I mean that's that's expected with anything. Yeah, but I, um, I don't. Know, but I feel like for everyone else though that has been really wanting these toys, like uh, I feel like in this day and age, you don't really have an excuse not to have already you really not, don't. not to already have it pre-ordered. Even if you were worried about shipping, you could always have it shipped to the store, kind of like how you're doing. You that's could just pick I'm it doing. up from Best Buy. Yeah, Amazon. Um, the very first time they had them up for pre-ordered, I kind of. I, w- I still wasn't like 100% sure I was going to get all of them yet. I was, mm-hmm. I was going to get a few. Mm-hmm. So I just pre-ordered a few. But then later, um, Mars, Villager, and Wii Fit Trainer, um, they were sold out of pre-orders. And I'm like, uh-oh. But then later, they restocked all their pre-orders. So then I just pre-ordered everything. And ever right. since then, I've just made it a point to pre-order everything the moment they're announced. Right. And everyone knows when they're announced that people have... But they internet. don't. That's the th- I mean, everyone that can... I'll put it this way. I've heard... Well, well let me put this way. Everyone that I know... Yeah. Like, People I've been in contact with that have access to internet usually know on Nintendo News right when it's announced are still having trouble getting them, even though just because they don't pre-order them. Well, see, like, it's just like they're putting themselves in that situation. I do that to myself. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I do that to myself when I'm buying things that are already released and physical. Form. Oh, you're the worst about that. We were at Be- okay. Quick story. So I'm gonna interrupt you for this. We were at Best Buy back when we were still in college, and there's one copy of a movie there. I think it was Transformers. I don't know. Yeah, it was a Transformers. Yeah, and four. we're standing there, and I, and you're like, oh, I wanted to buy this. I'm like, so buy it. And you're like, I'll just come back tomorrow and buy it. I'm like, okay. First of all, we're here now, not tomorrow. Secondly, there's a single copy on the shelf. Just buy it. And you're like, nah, it's okay. You then text me the next day, and you're like, "So they're sold out of the Transformers now." I'm like, "Well, no shit." <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> well, not only that, and not only was it sold out, but um, it was actually discontinued everywhere, and the yeah. market value went up. Yeah. Luckily, I found it um in another Best Buy, just like another random copy, and I right. got it there. But I think that kind of reinforces my point. I think if, it does. If I of all people, if I of all people was able to pre-order everything without a single problem, then I yeah. think anyone should. I mean. Unless you really hate, no, even not even that, because you can have it shipped to a store. I think there's no excuse. I think part of the problem, like if you really wanted these toys, you would have them pre-ordered. If you were kind of in the middle, then I guess. I think part of the problem, though, is we have to keep in mind there are people that are like, "Mom, Dad, I want a villager for Christmas," and Mom and Dad go, "Okay, when I go to Toys R Us next week, I'll pick it up." Nintendo's not even giving know, people yeah. a chance to do that. I know. I mean, there's exceptions because there's a huge market of kids I mean, that want them and can't the, get them. On there's definitely own. exceptions, and like that is a shame. But I feel like for the diehard, for the older diehard, yeah, for, for us, the, for the older diehard, they have no excuse. Right. The only other situation I could think of is um, another friend who definitely didn't plan on getting all of them. He just wanted Link, and after he got his Link, and then he came over to my house and saw the other amiibo, he thought, "Like, well, this is awesome. I want all of them." And now he's got to catch them all. Situation. Yeah. But I mean, we can't entirely blame the customers here. I mean, Nintendo no, needs to get their act together too. Like, I'm, it's... I'm just saying, like, know your exhaust your resources first. Right. Right. Because I mean, I, this is first like a of all, announcement. 
<laughs> PSA from Jose. First of all, though, I mean, a simple statement from Nintendo. Like, this isn't entirely because they're Like, if, if Nintendo put out a statement, that'd be that'd be nice. Because uh, at least they could, you know, tell people what's going on instead of having people run to seven different stores like I may or may not have done. I will not confirm or deny. Uh, <laughs> but better yet, why not just con- keep making all the Amiibo? There's so many retailers to get these from. And more to the point, <laughs> they're complaining Nintendo statements. All of them are about shelf space. Due to shelf space. Hey, Nintendo... There's a little thing called the internet that you can sell on. Make some internet exclusive. I don't know. If no retailer wants to only sell it on their website because they want foot traffic in their store, fine. Make Villager, Wii Fit Trainer, and uh, Marth available at store.nintendo.com. You have your own storefront. Like, it's not that hard for you to just do it. There's so many workarounds for the issue. It just seems weird that Nintendo's not doing any of them. They're literally like, we don't want your money. Keep your money. It's okay. Keep your money. Now, there, to their credit, there's one legit reason I can think of that maybe this is having this is happening, and that could be production issues. I mean, Nintendo's new to the whole toy game thing. Uh, maybe they're not fully ramped up yet. Maybe they don't have enough facilities to produce Wave 1, Wave 2, and Wave 3, so they have to kind of decide which waves go when. That's realistically what's going on. Like, they're like, oh, oh well, the people that really want Marth got Marth. Let's roll out Captain Falcon now. Like, that's probably what's happening. It's They can't produce all three waves at once, but that's the case. Maybe spread your waves out a little more. I understand it's to build hype. I understand it's to keep the conversation about Amiibo going. And it definitely is. And it certainly is. But the conversation isn't, I can't wait for Wave 2. The conversation is, where's my Wave 2? Where's the rest of Wave 1? I can't find Marth. I'm not paying $500 for Marth. That's not the conversation you want people to have at Nintendo. You want them to be talking positively about it and encouraging friends to go buy it. And, like, like it just feels so backwards. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, yes, people could pre-order. But also, Nintendo's responsible for not even meeting demand properly. Like it's just, no, no. And not warning people it's... in advance. If they said, we're doing one run, go crazy, people would probably go pre-order. No, but no. all they said is, Wave 1 comes out on the 21st, implying it will keep release, you know, it'll keep it updated after that. No, so. Nintendo definitely has a, a good share of the blame. I mean, it's not entirely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you can't... You're just saying there's a workaround people can do that they're choosing not to, which yeah. is pre-order. Because, I mean, I yeah. say there's at least... I mean, I was keeping up with... Even after I pre-ordered them, I still kept track of whether they were available just out of curiosity. Right. And for the most part, every single wave, after I pre-ordered them completely, was still available for pre-order in stock for at least two to three weeks. Yeah. That's a long time. It is if you know you want them all, but again, if you're a kid, you're kind of stuck. No, well, no, I'm still, I'm, I'm only referring to the, the die-hard ones Right, that but that's are, only like a sliver be. of the market yeah. for these things. That Nintendo hopes to reach yeah, at like, least. Yeah, but that's like the people that I feel... The people that are complaining the have, most have the easiest way to solve the problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're exactly. right. I mean, the good news... I mean, the only one that isn't up for pre-order yet is Rosalina. That's the only one that I'm missing. Yeah, we're just but although... Target, yeah, so. Target's... It looks like Target's starting to get their act together. It's in their inventory now, and it's listed as exclusive in the inventory. They just have to actually, like, put it up. Yeah. But the good news is, even with all this craziness, the Amiibo are selling well. Like, really well. Which actually is a good transition to... Jason Sales Corner. Cha-ching! Thank you. Uh, so, we'll actually get to Amiibo in a minute, but uh, basically... November is one of the biggest sales months of the year. It's going to the holidays. one of the two biggest months. Nintendo had a massive lineup this year. They always had Amiibo. They had massive. Sm- massive. They had Amiibo. They had Smash. They had Pokemon. All in the same day, actually. So um, numbers are out for November, courtesy of NPD, the group that tracks U.S. sales. So here's a look, basically, at how things are doing here in the States exclusively for Nintendo and everyone else. Um, you're giving me a funny look. Oh, no, because... Uh, okay, sure. So on a general level, I was just explain what was to the people, okay? Or are you smirking at something else? I was smirking at something else. Fine, okay. Uh, Jose's being a good co-host on his phone right now. No, <laughs> but, uh, no, no I'm, so, I'm double-checking something for this. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just kidding. So, um, I was debating. I'm just stealing the, the headline, but I'm not going 
I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. There you go. All right. I I am at a loss of work, so I'm going to talk about it. So, yeah, so it's holiday sales. Um, so in November, uh, general industry, it's not as well, not doing as well as it was this time last year. Uh, if you look at MPD overall, the industry's down both in terms of hardware and software compared to last November. And it makes a certain amount of sense. Xbox One, PS4, both those launched this time last year to massive numbers. And, of course, a year later, they're not going to be the hot new things on the block as they were. So hardware sales actually fell by 23%. And interestingly, for the first time ever, Xbox One outsold PS4. So there's that. It's also worth knowing that, yes, hardware sales are down, but Xbox One and PS4 aren't exactly to blame because those two in their 13th month on the market, are still outselling what PS3 and Xbox 360 did in their 13th month. So that 23% drop can probably fall on Nintendo's shoulders. It's most likely because they don't have a Wii equivalent that's selling as highly as the Wii. So that's probably why it, uh, probably where the drop came from. Uh, looking at the software side of things, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, unsurprisingly, top-selling game of the month. However, it's down a report 27% compared to last year's Call of Duty. So it's happening. The Guitar Hero effect, the Tony Hawk effect, the Activision milking its franchises to death syndrome is starting to happen with Call of Duty. Sales are going down. I bet your Skylanders is next in a couple years. Uh, but yeah, in terms of official Nintendo, like specific Nintendo stuff, on the Wii U side, uh, it did pretty well. Super Smash Bros. for Wii U landed in the number three spot on the top ten chart. I heard Siri activate. Uh, it, and there it was again. <laughs> it sold, Smash Bros. for Wii U sold a combined retail and digital total of 710,000 copies, which is pretty good for Wii U, which doesn't have a huge install base. Uh, that's only in eight or nine days, by the way. So that's in like a little over a week that sold that much, because that's how long the reporting period was for uh, November, you know, between when it came out and when it ended. Um, Nintendo didn't, get, didn't give any hard numbers for Amiibo, but they did say rather cryptically that the figurines sold, quote, approximately equal numbers to uh, Smash. So around 700,000 Amiibo were sold. I the most popular character is Link, followed by Wouldn't Mario, then Pikachu. A little bit, because yeah, that's well, that's why I'll know. Because usually you would assume that for every copy of Smash Bros, you saw at least two or three. Someone amiibo. would have two or three Amiibo. That's, In many cases, yeah. I saw a lot of people with over ten. So yeah, because I kind of, I did some of the math. Like I was thinking about this. Like I don't know how to interpret Does those that numbers. Mean that for the total Amiibo that I bought, um, eleven people don't have a copy of Smash Brothers. I don't know. No, I think it's the other way around. I think a lot of people have Smash with no Amiibo. Oh, that's right. Eleven people. Yeah, because you're. Like, yes, yeah, I got it backwards. Yeah, it's like basically because here's like, it's really confusing. I did the math on this because I was trying to figure out. Cause I looked at it and I went, "Is this good or bad or decent?" Like I can't quite yeah, tell. I don't know anyone that just bought one amiibo. Yeah, because let's say okay, let's say seven hundred. Well, that bottom amiibo. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean seven hundred thousand is no doubt a strong number, but it's hard to say like what it means in terms of the like attachment rate per person or like the adoption rate of the concept of amiibo of, of amiibo. If that makes sense, like. Like you said, you have all 12, right? So I did the math. Let's say everyone bought 12, which obviously isn't true. That means only 58,000 people actually, like, hopped on the Amiibo bandwagon. That's not very many. Realistically, let's say everyone bought a few. Let's say three, right? So I have four, but I only plan to buy three, so we'll ignore that one. Let's say three. So if you did that, uh, about a quarter of a million people bought Amiibo. Like 227,000 or something like that bought Amiibo out of 710 Smash Bros. purchasers. And there are cases where people bought one or two and don't own a Wii U just because they like the figurine. So it's not exactly one-to-one, and having a quarter million people jump into Amiibo is pretty decent, but that's not a lot of Smash players. So it's kind of hard to say if it did well or not. Money-wise, it did great. Nintendo made, if you just like do pure revenue, Nintendo made something like 10 million bucks off Amiibo in nine days in the U.S. alone. 
Oh. That's pretty good. And then when you factor in the fact that in, a week, in the first week in Japan, they sold over 100,000. France is on track to sell 200,000 by the end of the month. If you add all that together, you're over a million Mebo already. So it's doing well, but these aren't like Skylander billion-dollar industry your Skylander billion-dollar franchise numbers that Intel may ultimately want. And it's kind of hard to say if they're actually going to hit that number. Like I can't, I don't know if this is good or bad. They were happy enough about it. Question: um, Are Amiibos region locked? No. Huh, so in theory, everyone panicking about Marth could import one from Japan for twenty-five bucks and get it. Not that bad. It's actually cheaper than the than scalping. scalping. Yeah, scalping is like seventy dollars. I'm actually, I actually have considered it for a little bit, but I decided against it. So, so I mean, I don't know. Like, Amiibo are great in terms of making money, but I have no idea what it means in terms of Nintendo's internal goals or, like, how that relates to how well it's doing as a thing. It, mm. I'm, I'm not quite sure. So time will tell. I think it's too early to say. But they're off to a $10 million revenue start, which I'm sure Nintendo's happy about. One thing that's not making as much money as Nintendo probably wanted is the Wii U itself. I mean, yeah, it turns a profit, but... If you recall, going into the holidays, Reggie was saying, oh, Mario Kart 8 doubled Wii U sales in the U.S., and we expect Smash to do the same, like to do big numbers as well. I, I don't know if a 10% increase over last November is big numbers. Hmm. Now, to its credit, the Wii U did have its best-selling month since it launched this past November. 242,000 systems, according to leaked numbers, um, which, again, is the best it's done since launch month two years ago. However... When you look at uh, 242,000 or a quarter of a million Wii U and compare to close to a million PS4s and Xbox Ones still in the same time frame, not quite as good. And Nintendo's hoping to double sales, not raise it 10%. So I guess everyone that, all, that wanted uh, Smash Bros. probably bought their Wii U with Mario Kart. The doubling probably happened only once. I think, I think it was silly of Nintendo, it's silly of us to like, go in the mindset with them, that everyone who bought Smash... Who, like, it, it was a weird loophole in the logic to go oh yeah of course if you double for Mario Kart it'll double for Smash because Mario Kart and Smash have a huge shared audience hmm. so you can't really just assume that it's going to happen again um, also not great was the 3DS hardware sales so they were so not great that Nintendo refused to even acknowledge 3DS hardware in their press release about MPD they didn't even indicate they did not say anything they didn't say it was good didn't say it was bad they didn't even say the word hardware for 3DS they just talked about games so uh, the good first the leak numbers put 3DS at about 515,000 units in November, which might be why they're not talking about numbers. If that leak is true, it's down a full third from last November's sales of 770,000. That's not good. So bad, in fact, that you might argue, well, maybe they should have released the new 3DS now. Because they, they were saying, oh, we're waiting for like the you know the sales to slow down to the point yeah, where they we should. Re- Yeah, they really should, because I want one. That's the only reason. But software-wise, they did quite well, super well. Uh, since October, Smash for 3DS has already sold 1.5 million copies, physical and digital, you know, since it came out here in the States. More impressively, Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, in only a week, also combined, sold 100, or 100, 1.5 million copies, physical and digital. So, that's pretty good. And not only that, but, uh, interestingly, Alpha Sapphire is the more popular by a large margin. It was number 5 on the top 10 sales chart, while Omega Ruby came in at number 7. Meanwhile, over in the UK, Auras was the biggest Pokemon launch ever, and on a worldwide scale, the Pokemon company has already shipped 7.7 million copies of Auras to stores. To put that in perspective, the original Ruby and Sapphire, life-to-date sales are 16.22 million in total. So Auras has shipped out two stores in a week and a half, more, or just under half of what, or sorry, Ruby and Sapphire sold in total since they, like, period, ever. 
So that's pretty good that the remake's doing that well. I mean, sales could taper off, but it doesn't seem like they're going to that quickly. So it's possible it would out, it'll outsell its original predecessor. So good for good for Pokemon Company, I guess, and good for Nintendo because that's where a lot of money's coming in as well. So um, if you look beyond those big like November big ticket items, though, uh, we're also seeing some good sales of Shovel Knight. Just before it won its game award, it sold three, it hit the three hundred co- three hundred thousand copy milestone. Uh, that's across Wii U, 3DS, and Steam, but the majority was on Nintendo platforms. So, so that's an indie success. Less successful uh, on the, is Bayonetta 2, which sold 27,000 in November, meaning that since it came out at the end of October, it sold about 102,000 units. Um, not great by any means, but better than Wonderful 101. So Platinum has a bit of a win, I guess. <laughs> it's better than their last game. Meanwhile, uh, another game from another developer that didn't do very well is Sonic Boom. Shocking, it didn't sell well. On Wii U, it sold 25,000 copies. That's it. Even less on 3DS. The silver lining is it might actually have done better than Sonic Lost World did, which is unfortunate because Lost World's the better game. Uh, Lost World, between Wii U and 3DS, when it came out last year, sold 30,000 copies in its first month, and Sonic Boom managed to sell 25,000 on just one system. So, at least the Wii U version of Boom might be doing better than Sonic World did. Um, Lost World did. But... I don't think Nintendo, when they signed the three-game exclusive Sonic deal, expected the games to do this bad. Like, it's not much of an exclusive grab when you have a really buggy game like Sonic Boom and you have Sonic Lost World and both can't even sell more than 30000 in their first month. Like, not, not very good. The good news for Sega, their TV show's doing well. Sonic Boom on Cartoon Network is the number one show in its time slot for that age demographic, and it's seen triple-digit growth in terms of its audience. Boom. You watch it? Yeah, I watched every single episode. You like it? Yeah, I like it a lot, actually. I don't think you're their demographic, hey. but you're not in the number one time. But well, you're. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch any. I like to watch every at least the first episode of every anime TV show. That right. Comes out. So is the humor as bad as in the game? Was it actually entertaining, like funny? Because um, the game, like when I played the demo Con Con, the humor is like. Uh... Well, I mean, I don't know. I didn't really. You didn't really play it, so you have no. I didn't really play it much to hear the humor. It was kind of drowned out by the noise the acting the sound effects but um i don't know like i at least the humor on the show i can't really speak for the humor of the game like i don't know i think it's really good it's hmm. it, it takes itself so it's like so fourth wally sometimes that um it just pokes fun at the whole like villain thing i don't know it's just so oh well i always like meta and fourth wall breaking like, 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 stuff like so. it just throws like almost a sound effect on it said like some episodes like they just kind of treat eggman as such a like non-threat slash threat sometimes that right. like I remember like oh my my base blew up can I just sleep over at your house for a few days and I'm like oh, sure whatever what <laughs> and then like, he'll just be there he'll be like a bad roommate or something or I don't know, like just like the writers are just really good at I don't know you you'll expect a certain punchline to mm-hmm. be coming but you'll get like something completely different and the completely different it's always just really nice and refreshing well maybe that's why it's and, doing so well and, and Elvis is also a huge fan of it right. like, like we were just surprised like I thought I knew I thought it was going to be decent just like oh okay it's just a Sonic yeah, show yeah. but I'm surprised that I'm actually enjoying it this way you know between I mean, the, the yeah. one of the characters I think um, her name is Styx oh the new girl yeah I find her kind of annoying sometimes but other than that like everything else is just great like I don't know it's huh. just, Maybe that's why Sega is starting to develop more TV. Did you hear about this? Kind of like if, if you um, like um, Teen Titans Go, the new similar version, humor. Yeah, it's like the similar kind of deal. Like you appreciate it more if you you just like right. Sonic in general. I bet you this is why Sega is now pushing more into TV and movies. I don't know if you heard about this, but they just announced that like a lot of their games just got like 
uh, rights to movies and stuff. Shinobi, Crazy Taxi, uh, probably like six or seven games in total. They're going to make TV and movie movies based off of. And I'm guessing it's because Sonic Boom as a show is doing super well, yet Sonic Boom as a game is obviously not doing well. So that's interesting. We might be seeing a shift here. This might be the end of Sega games as we know them in favor of Sega other entertainment. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. But, but yeah, I think the takeaway for November as a whole is uh, Nintendo's hardware may not be doing so well, but uh, the big-ticket games are certainly making up the money for them. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a good holiday in terms of how much revenue they generate off Amiibo and Smash and Pokemon. And December's another big month, arguably bigger than November. I think sales actually are bigger in December. As, you know, as Christmas gets closer, last-minute shoppers jump in. So I'm sure we'll have some interesting numbers next sometime next month in January, which we'll, of course, share here on the podcast and give insight into. But... But so far, so good for Nintendo's games and Amiibo. Maybe Amiibo. I don't even know how to interpret Amiibo. Less so for the <laughs> hardware. But but yeah, that that that's pretty much it for um, Jason Sales Corner for news. There's just I think it's ready. For, I think I'm ready for adventure. Yeah, I slipped that that joke right in there. Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker. We both own the game. We both have played the game. We both have impressions about the game. Um. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. So, so for those who haven't played it, or haven't played the levels in Mario 3D World, a quick synopsis of how it works. You're in this little diorama, basically. Your goal is to collect the treasure. For Treasure Tracker, that means there's three diamonds that are not mandatory and a star that is mandatory. You do need diamonds to collect X number of diamonds to open new levels as you go through games, so usually you want to try and get all three. You don't have to. Um, and how it works is there's the diorama. You can't jump. Whoops, I just whacked the table. You can't jump. You just kind of move around with one stick, and you move the camera either using the gamepad's gyro or the right stick. And they're like those crazy, like, Escher stare diagram things where basically you see th- certain things only from certain angles. There's little... It's For those who might have seen Monument Valley on iOS, it's kind of like that. It's basically you're navigating these, diagra- these dioramas. I kept saying diagrams, but they're dioramas. And you're trying to get everything, and you can't jump. You have to dodge enemies. You could pluck turnips at them. They could pluck out of the ground. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much all there is to it at, a sim- at like the simplest level. You're solving puzzles by figuring out how to get to the end without dying. And getting all the stuff along the way. Yeah. That's the simplest way of describing it. And then on top of that, they have like hidden objectives. And I kind of right. wish they would show the objectives beforehand. Yes, me too. It feels really... <laughs> and I'm using it for like sneaky and underhanded to show you the objective after you've played the level because it just feels like kind of a cheap way for them to extend make you, the game to make you play the level again. So yes. usually like when I'm playing a level, I like scan the map so much. I'm like, okay, I don't want to miss it the first time. But then sometimes, like, you'll assume, okay, it's going to be find the hidden mushroom or something like that. Yeah. But then, um, or dodge all the enemies. But then you're like, okay, like, or kill them. So you're going to try to kill all the enemies or not get hit as, yeah. like, a, a, a safety net. But then as you're playing the level normally, like, on one of the first levels, you fall down a bridge. And you're like, okay, that's like a, it's almost like a little cutscene. Yeah. But then the objective is don't break the bridge. And you're like, really? I have to play this whole level again it's a, and just yeah. jump off the side. So, I don't know. It's a cheap way that they were able to extend the longevity of the game. I agree. It, it's like adding replay value that shouldn't necessarily need to add. I agree. I wish, even if they didn't want to make it, like, in your face, it could have at least when you hit the pause button have it be a thing on the corner of the pause menu or something. Yeah. Like, it does feel kind of cheap. But I think overall, though, like, I don't know. I knew I was going to like the game, but I didn't think I was going to, like, like it this much. Like, it's just, I don't know. It just has so much personality to me. It's just, I... I never really describe things as adorable, but I can't think of a better way to call, to describe this game than it's just, like, adorable. I mean, there's awesome attention to detail. There's, like, little... I don't know if you know if on some of the dioramas, when you spin around, you'll notice, like, in corners, there's little, like, wanted signs for Wingo, the bird that steals uh, Toadette. Like, they're just, like, tucked away in weird little spots of the level. Like, 
if you look at Toad when he's underwater, he's holding his breath. If you spin him around fast enough, he'll get dizzy and fall down. You can make him take a nap next to the Toad Brigade when you see him sleeping. Like, just all these little attentions to detail is so great. Levels of snow, you can draw on the snow, which is a nice touch. Uh, the cutscenes in between certain, like, the game's divided into, like, chapters and books. And in between chapters, there's little cutscenes with Toad, like, sitting at a campfire and yawning and going to sleep. And he has, like, a little tent and a little, like, it's just so adorable. <laughs> and, like... I think my favorite thing about the game is yeah. that you can zoom in. I think. Yeah. Well, you know what's weird is like, the, like, the like... zoom in feature is so cool. Well, I guess because the game looks that good. Yeah. Like, I spent maybe five or six minutes, like, on a few levels, just, like, walking really slowly or just, like, Me going too. back and forth. Me too. Just, like, watching Toad walk or watching Toad do this from different angles just because it looks, like, it's so good. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things. I've, I think I've gotten more, like... Oh my god, these graphics are amazing from the Wii U than any other I current gen console, definitely like have. the three six the one or the four. It's cost of the it's the, one, the one or the four, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely because of the uh, art style. Nintendo chooses art styles very well. And the, the, the yeah. zoom in thing's funny because and, like And I think no matter how good graphics get, if you're trying to make a character look realistic, like photorealistic, it's not gonna it's, work. It's never Uncanny gonna, Valley. It's, it's never gonna look good. Like it yeah. just it just never is. So I agree. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny because the environments like, can look amazing, but the people are just Right, the environment's called photorealistic and you won't know the difference, but then the people will be like, wow, they're dead in the eyes or yeah, whatever. Or but, they'll look like Kevin Spacey. Yeah, but then at that point in Nintendo, I feel, could already make environments, given the art style, like, look really, yeah. really good. And it's funny cause, um, because, I guess, of the diagram or diorama effect, even though it's reusing so many assets from Mario 3D World, it looks, like, way better. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's placebo a little, but, like, the lighting's really good, and it's just really good. And, like, it really helps with that game's charm. You did mention the zoom-in thing, though, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, when I first started playing it, the levels felt very zoomed out, and if I zoomed in, they felt, like, very zoomed in, like, almost too much. So, like, I couldn't, like, find the sweet spot, I guess. And then, like, over a couple levels, and then, like, similarly at the same time, like, the constant movement of the camera was kind of throwing me off. Like, I'd be like, oh, I have to, like, rotate the camera over here. Oh, no, I moved it up too high. Oh, now it's too high, and I need to lower it again. But then, like, by level three or four, it just, like, clicked, and everything just felt pretty much perfect. With one exception being, um... Nintendo really needs to patch in an option to turn off the gyro controls on the camera. Because yeah, you'll be playing, like, I use the right stick, right? And I'll be playing, and then, like, I'll reposition on the couch slightly, and the camera starts spinning. I'm like, no, why are you... Because I moved, so the controller moved. Oh, yeah. I, it's super annoying. It's like I, um... I don't know. I, I guess I kind of... I felt that would be a problem going in. So what I did, um... I guess... I'm, I'm kind of used to playing like, with the pillow above me. Right. And then I just like lay the gamepad on there. So I haven't had any issue with like. But see, you're like adapting to the issue. Like, if they just put well, out a patch. Yeah, when they no, put no, in the Amiibos, no, but that's, that's, that's how I normally play most like games oh, where I just okay. sit down for a long time. So it hasn't like. Normally I never really move when I'm playing a console game. Right. Unless I'm playing Smash Bros. When things get serious, you have to sit up and like. Oh, yeah. Change. You have to like lean in and that's, be like yeah, intense. Yeah, that, that's like. Things yeah. in serious mode. Yeah, I feel like I should mention though that like I was talking about the charm before. Have you have you read the manual for the game? I read part even of the because, manual is charming. Because some something said I don't remember where it said like oh check the manual. Kotaku, Kotaku said you may find something. No, no, something in oh. the game. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. After it, the first boss fight, I yeah, it, it said like oh check check out the manual. You may find something adventurous or something. It has like it, even it's written kind of cleverly. This whole game in terms of, like like adorableness, but not being like overly cutesy. It's kind of like the Wally of Nintendo games, if you think about it. Like Toad doesn't really talk; it's all through the animation. Like, does it have kind of a Wally vibe to you? A Wally? Well, well, just in terms of, like it doesn't really talk. It's just like he doesn't. He just makes sort of sounds, and then like you just watch his expressions and reactions to the world. It has like kind of that same kind of a, like adorable factor. It's not overly like cute, if that makes sense. 
at least to me. Like, I kept thinking of Wally when I was playing it. I'm like, this is Nintendo's Wally. But but what's nice is the the level design is pretty much as well done as the like adorable factor. I mean, the bosses themselves are really cool because you're never actually fighting a boss. You're going to collect treasure in a stager that happens to be a boss, and you're usually trying to dodge him, and then just by chance, Toad does something that kills him. And then that's how you get the star. Like, you never have an actual fight, I feel like. At least not in the first few worlds. Like, there's never a real, like, fight fight. It's just kind of like, oh, there's a dragon? Okay, I'm going to run away from its fire breath. Oh, I'm climbing a wobbly tower. Oh, the tower fell on the dragon, and boom, I won the level. Like, I, I really like how it's kind of that sort of... Like, it's not like a, you're not fighting, because Toad doesn't fight, because he can't jump. He does throw turnips, which is a nice throwback to Mario 2, but he never really fights anyone. So that leads to some clever level, level designs that you're never actually going one oh, yeah, mono e mono. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of um, in between for those bosses. Like, on one hand, it's like, okay, it's new, and it's, it's a little different from just fighting a boss and doing the same pattern three times. Right. But at the same time, oh, especially when they recycle bosses. Yeah, that's the thing I was going to say. Is the it, one thing I, is that they could probably do new bosses yeah, instead like, of recycling that's always, them. That, that's always been a problem with me, especially with um, like new Mario, I guess, is pretty guilty of this a lot. Right. Like, you'll pretty much do the same Bowser battle, like, three times before he does, like, something different for, like, the final one. But, um, I think with Galaxy, you fought Bowser, like, three times the same way, except every single time he added one new thing. Right. And it's kind of the same thing in this instance, except, yeah. like, the, the what you're traveling on changes a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It just, I just like the idea that it, you're it not just fighting. Feels, I guess that also does kind of feel a little lazy. Maybe. Yeah, well, I wonder if that was a throwback to. I mean, it's the same developer. It's EAD Tokyo, so I wonder if that's just how they do things. Like, I know. They just build I mean, on yeah, the same it, boss. it must be how they do things. I mean, if, if they yeah. call it a throwback to their other game, then that's just a lazy excuse. But, yeah, um, it is. It is. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it could also go fall back to um, our level of experience with games in general. Yeah. Because um, I feel like, oh, just. Instead of having three of the same bosses, like, I don't know if you remember, in 3D World, there's that mm-hmm. one giant guy that splits up into yep, another one. Yep, Like, just give me the final version of him for the first boss and give me two different bosses. But see, bosses. that to ease people in. We're just gamers. <laughs> I know, that's why it's like... Yeah. But, it's, but it's I mean... good. Hey, was, when games were harder on the NES for kids back then, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I, it's almost like they think people are getting worse at games, so they feel they have to, but... Or there's a more expanded casual audience now that they're trying to accommodate, which doesn't make sense because casual yeah, expanded cause, yeah, Nintendo. I mean, yeah. people were playing video games as early as, like, four or five years old, or even That's less. true. I mean... Le- people could figure out how to navigate an iPad at age two I mean, Obis, kids. I mean, Obis technically started playing games when he was one, because I got my Super Nintendo when I was five, which would make him one. Right, right. And, and I know he played. Maybe that's why he's so good at games. I don't know. That would explain it. Literally played games. Since so back then he had a yeah. uh, working memory. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much, but uh, I will say that, like beyond just the bosses, the game's not perfect. I mean, the level layout's really good for the most part. The, level, the a lot of the level puzzles are super clever, but then like the gamepad use is kind of not as great. I mean, some of it's really cool. I do like um, the minecart levels where it's. I swear, if the minecart is not a prototype for Pokemon Snap Two, I have no idea what its purpose is. Because like it plays just like Pokemon Snap. Instead of throwing apples to get attention, you're throwing turnips to collect coins and hit enemies. It's on a re- it's on a track. You're looking around at the gamepad or using the right stick, but it's all on the screen on the gamepad. All the TV showing like a third person view. It's Pokemon Snap. If it doesn't become Pokemon Snap, Nintendo, Nintendo might as well just shut down now. That has to be Pokemon Snap too in des- in like a trial run. Has to be. But so that works well with the gamepad. I do like the ones where you have to like move the uh, like you touch the. Um, blocks to rearrange them and move them around that shows like new doors and new entryways and stuff when you spin the camera those are cool they're kind of like sliding puzzles what i don't like about the gamepad is every other use for it 
Here, spin this giant wheel to rotate the stage's blocks. Or, you know, I could just press a button. I don't need to spin a wheel on the touchscreen. It, it feels it, a lot like I kind of wish, like, um... It was kind of like... Rain, well, no, yeah. Like, Rayman kind of does this where... Or, actually, a lot of video games do, for that matter, where you'll reach that point where you have to interact with something. Mm-hmm. And, like, Toad isn't moving at the same time that you're doing all these things. So why not just disable the controls on Toad and then just switch it to the analog? Or just hit and a then, button. <laughs> and then whenever you're ready, just press like the oh, and R trigger to grip control or the Toad. Or just hit a button. Like the whole like what I was gonna say is it feels like, like, a lot like, like, like switching those panels. I like, sure like they do work. Well, yeah. But, I don't the know, panels I, I don't mind as much. I kind of no like no. That. Oh, oh, I don't know. I just kind of don't like that after sometimes like look back and forth. I don't like to have to go from the gorgeous HD graphics to the kind of grainy gamepad and be like, but I want to look on the nice yeah, TV. <laughs> that's why like I've kind of been like training myself to like. I just, like, tap a little around because you can see where you're tapping on the TV. Yeah. But it's still kind of a shame that we have to look away. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But I was going to say that, like, the whole thing feels a lot like the use of, like, oh, spin the wheel on the screen. It reminds me so much of those early DS games that are like, oh, look, I have a touch screen. You should use it. Here's some crazy ways to use it. Oh, oh, you mean you can hit A to go? Well, how about this? Why don't you, why don't you just rub the gamepad, or not the gamepad, rub the touch screen with the stylus really fast to make Pikachu run in Pokemon, in oh, Pokemon Dash. Dash. Like... Those are such shit. Like this reminds me a lot, where it's just like, well, there's a touchscreen. We might, we we gotta use it. No, you really don't. You don't have to use it. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's probably my ba- that and the gyro controls are probably my biggest nitpicks with Captain Toad. Because like, like I said, the level of design I really like. Uh, the diamond placement, some of those are extremely clever. If you want to try and collect all three diamonds, which I've been doing every level as I go. The the, the storytelling is like the game's personality is just like adorable. The music. There's some nice little Mario remixes throughout, some new stuff. It, you know, it serves its purpose. The graphics, the game looks great. I I would definitely recommend it. If you ignore the touchpad stuff, it's a really good game. And it's not that expensive either. It's only 40 bucks. I mean, would, what's your overall take on it, Jose? Um, definitely worth it. I mean, I completely forgot going in. Before we, the game came out that it was at a slightly discounted price. Right. And I don't know. I just really like it. It just looks so good. It looks so good. It has so think, much personality. I think the fact that you they are playing a little dioramas just make it look makes it even look that much better. Just yeah. Because like I don't know something about just seeing the whole level at once and tilting it. It's like I don't know. It's just like a a unique new experience that you yeah. You don't, you don't even see it anywhere. Like, there's nothing like it. And the nice thing like, is the frame rate's buttery smooth. I mean, of course it is. There's nothing happening, but. Like that Nintendo Touch. It's definitely that Nintendo Touch. I mean, for forty bucks, you get seventy plus levels, plus a whole slew of uh, Captain Toad for the next Smash Brothers. Yes, yes. He he'll be red. He'll be like another little Mac that has a terrible jump, like a terrible recovery. <laughs> he won't even jump. have a jump. He'll just waddle around. You can't <laughs> jump. Every time I jump, a balloon comes out of his backpack. He just kind of floats upward, <laughs> or a propeller comes out of his backpack. There we go. That's what he's carrying in there. But uh, I was going to say that um, you not only get 70-plus levels, but you also get uh, retrofitted Mario 3D World levels. If you have save data of the game on your system, they'll unlock from the start. Otherwise, you can unlock them as you go. But those aren't quite as strong because they're retrofitted. They're not levels designed for this puzzle mechanic. But even they are pretty fun. Like, you really can't go wrong with the game for $40. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's a nice little way to end the 2014 Wii U lineup, I'd say. But... But um, if you know if you happen to win our contest, though, you can get all that for five dollars. So speaking of the contest, I guess now's the right time to. Unless you have anything else to say about Captain Toad. No, can't think of anything. All right, I guess now's the right time to announce the winner of our biggest contest to date. So first of all, thanks to everyone who entered. As you may recall, we did ask your favorite Smash Bros. fighter, and what's interesting is out of the game's forty-nine fighters, thirty-four of them were represented in our seventy-plus comments. So of course there's some duplicates, but it really speaks to the power of Smash that that many fighters could be favorites. You know, because some games, it's like everyone gravitates towards like two or three people. But this one, 
like two thirds of the fighters, more than two, yeah, just about two thirds, are all represented. That's pretty cool. So what surprised me though is Kirby was our most popular choice uh, for fighter, followed by Mac, Villager, and Link, all tied for second place. Then came weirdly enough Pac Man, who trumped both Mega Man and Sonic. So, so there's a brief shakedown of which characters. Shulk even got two votes. And the best thing is some of your some of your responses because we asked you like why you picked them. Some of you went with memes, which is pretty good. I mean, someone's just like, "Oh, I got Shulk because I'm really feeling it," and I'm like, and that, that made me smile. But uh, yeah, of course, you really just want to know who won. So why am I dragging this out longer than I have to? Um, so what we did is we took put all the entries, all the eligible entries, into a randomizer, and we got a post number. And our winner is drum roll, please, someone, anyone, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Post number 42, which go, you, can, you cannot stop. Like I, said, I said it. I said, okay. <laughs> Post number 42, uh, apologies if I butcher your last name. Uh, Dominic Paolo? Paolo? P-A-O-L-O? Paolo? Yeah, I think we agreed with Paolo. 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 So, Dominic Paolo? Paolo? You, uh, Dominic Paolo, <laughs> you won. Yeah. You, he chose Pac-Man. Here's one of the guys that chose Pac-Man, which, again, I did not expect. But that's a cool choice. I actually love playing as Pac-Man, just for fun. Um... You are a winner of the $35 eShop code. We will be emailing you the code uh, shortly after this pod goes, podcast goes live. So keep your eye on your inbox, uh, and you should be getting the code soon. And thanks again to everyone who entered. And you never know when we're going to host another giveaway. So the easiest way to make sure that you don't miss you out. You really don't. You really don't. Sometimes we don't. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Because like, I'll tell Jose. Like, I'll say it on podcast. And he's like, I didn't know we were hosting a giveaway. And he'll be like, yeah, I just bought it the other day. We're doing it. So you never know. We don't even know. So to make sure you don't miss out. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'd also love to hear what you think of this episode, the show as a whole. So leave a review over at iTunes. You can give it any number of stars. We're not picky. Uh, you can also leave a comment at ramtown.com for his blog post and tell us what you think there. We're curious if you what you think of Captain Toad or some of the reveals from the Game Awards. So definitely share your thoughts there. And uh, if you want to hear what we have to say individually about games or life or or anything really i'm jsr7 on twitter jose is wero w-e-r-r-o underscore o you can also find him on meverse under the same name so you can friend and follow him there you can friend and follow me on meverse as jason r and i think that's about that just about does it so we're gonna be back on december 28th with another episode of course with the latest on everything in the world of nintendo whatever news may break between now and through christmas uh the games we're playing you know, you know if you've listened to any of our 86 episodes you know how this works so we'll be back in two weeks with that. In the meantime, keep it on the site for additional extras, vid bits, miscellaneous, fun stuff, and you never know. It might have something else. So thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks, and happy holidays. Yeah.